0: Tyranny always comes one to wrong the unrighteous. Such a one was Zorro. It's an all new, all nude, lewd and lascivious Zorro. It's entertainment ventures masterwork of adult exposition, the erotic adventures of Zorro. No kiddie matinee Zorro this. Here is a Zorro with balls. The intrepid team that brought you Trader Horny now brings you a fantastic motion picture with something for everyone killing, rape, spectacle, comedy, sex, flamenco dancing, perversion, horseback riding. Torture, lesbians, sword fighting, naked girls, entertainment, all in the audacious, outrageous, the erotic adventures of Zorro. They're all here to thrill you anew. Parental guidance recommended. Have your parents guide you to this theater to see the erotic adventures of Zorro. Adios, Comandante. The first adult movie rated Z, The Erotic Adventures of Zorro.
1: Six minutes and fifteen seconds after the hour of eleven, and this—the month of January in the year of our Lord two thousand and nine. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not really Austin ostentatious studios of AM nine seventy, the talker. Of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. It is uh, Monday, January fifth, and howdy and hello to you.
2: Good day, everyone.
1: It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you'd like to join us today, five zero three. Seven three three, two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you'd like to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever it is that might be on your brain today, it is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Richie Bristol, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking,
0: the tedious, the absurd,
1: and whatever it is you have. Uh, thoughts on Ryan Seacrest's newly acquired facial hair, which really isn't getting the job done, I think, to the extent that he'd like it to. But we'll talk more about that in a second. And yes, I have uh, New Year's Eve audio, and only one of the cuts is Dick Clark. Because really, who can tell one Dick Clark audio cut from another at this point? Uh, so we'll get to uh, all of that. So uh, we're back. It's the new year. hope everybody, uh, I don't know, had a safe and satisfying weekend and time off or whatever. So, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling good today, but I, it should be noted that I think... This is probably going to be the first week in one, two, three. Well, at least two weeks. that we, I think we've done more than three shows in a row. Because I think we were here. I can't even remember. How many shows did we do last week? Three?
3: We did three, and the week before, we did two.
1: Did we do two or one the week before? One. I think we did one the week before. One, you're right. One. How about the week before that? The week before that was a regular week, yeah, right? Yeah, the
3: week before that we did five. And okay. that was the that was the crazy snow week, but we all made it every That's right. Day. We
1: were here, but then the next, the, the, then the following week, uh, the 22nd or whatever it was, that was the day that Dave Schmitke was here. And we all made it in, and Dave Schmitke made it in, and several people from upstairs, including uh, Dominique and Lacey, made it in because they're game day players. But then we had the rest of the week off, and then last week we were here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, so we're back in the groove, really, is the point that I'm making to you now, here today as part of this broadcast. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, join us, you can also email if you like. It's rick at RickEmerson.com, rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. Coming up later on today to bring you news and information as uh, we sort of continue to have a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley, a voice and a name you may recognize from some years back, uh, our good friend Chuck Knopf be joining us here in the, uh, in the studio which is weird by the way That
3: is totally weird. I haven't seen him in like 6 years.
1: I talked to him on the phone last night actually and it was weird. It was just like it was like the ghost of Christmas past kind of coming out of the phone. But, for those who maybe and I don't I don't even know when the last... I think he was at K-Pam, I guess. I mean he was working there to the extent that anybody can work at K-Pam at this point point. and they I think at the I think at K-Pam, I don't even think they fire you. I think it's like a Milton Waddams thing where event like you just like at a certain point you keep showing up or maybe you don't get paid or you get paid but you don't you don't like you don't cash the check or something I, because you know that there's no money there to to cover it i don't know i don't i don't understand how that joint works but K-Pam sort of seems like an honorary like community station like one of those like one of those like like boo or something like one of those stations that where like you don't have to actually do anything K-Pam sort of seems like a commercial version of that most of the time so i guess he was recently working at K-Pam and then not now and then before that, he was the longtime news director at our then-sister station, uh KWJJ. Now, rebranded as The Wolf. Uh, but he hadn't been there for a while. But when we first started in Portland, well, I mean, like 10 years ago, we started next door, actually, at the building directly next door, uh, which was the Fisher Communications Building. And we were at KOTK, our sister station was KWJJ, and Chuck Knopf worked down the hall uh on the morning show. Is that him? Did he just walk by? Yeah. All right, fantastic. So that'll be coming up later on in the uh, noon hour, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chuck Knopf will be here. So, all right. <laughs> See, lurking out in the hallway.
3: He totally Licking is. Looking
1: confused. Hello, Chuck Knopf. How are you? Just walked into the studio. It's mostly
4: oh, fair my. with highs in the 70s. Hello, hello, <laughs> Chuck. We weren't expecting you this early. Well, I hello, wasn't Chuck. expecting to get here. Hi. Right. Hi. I have not seen... Holy
5: smokes.
1: Uh, all right, let's, oh, uh, let's, all, that's a, let's all have a tearful reunion on the air. All right. All right. So uh, we'll stop that. Let me just kind of get let me get kind of get some of the stuff out of the way here. And then we'll talk to, to Chuck here in a box. second. You're uh, uh, really you're like, wait, you're way earlier than anybody else has ever been. Everybody else sort of arrives at around 1135. So I should have known that you would be Johnny on the spot, though, in terms of getting hit.
4: It's being German. And punctual That's the, the,
1: yeah where the news train runs yeah. on time it does chuck Knox. all right well, well we'll get back with chuck here in just a second so um it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. if you would like to um would like to be part of today's program it's already it's already oh, happening it's a fantastic show i can smell it in the air here's what's coming up later on a radio course by lisa desjardins uh will join us to talk about I don't know, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it's been like two weeks since we've really had a chance to stop down and talk about actual news. So we'll talk to Lisa. We've got Amanda Moyer coming up uh, about this. health Franken business. Uh, what else? We'll talk to Tina Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, as well. That's all on the way. Today's top five. Top five bands you haven't thought about in at least five years. Coming up later on. Uh, top five bands you have not thought about in at least five years. What else? Uh, Chuck Knopf, as I previously noticed, is going to be here doing the news. That was weird just now.
5: That was so It
1: was like I conjured him by talking about him. Um, Geek Watch coming up, Bush Watch coming up. Uh, you said that you have a joy of Christmas that you feel like we ought to get to. Typically, we cut those off once the first of the year comes.
3: I know, but if they're still giving, I mean, who are we well, to uh, neglect Uh
1: Who are we to not pass along to We
3: didn't do the last joy of Christmas ever. We did the last joy of Christmas of 2008. I now possibly... it's 2009, so it's the first joy of Christmas of
1: 2008. It's a fair point, and I guess it is still winter. So, I mean, as long as it's winter and the story is somewhat Christmas related, I mean, I guess that I can. I guess the judges will allow that. So. Uh, so that's all That's all coming up today as well. Uh, a whole pile of news uh, to get to, your phone calls, and uh, all that. So it's 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello. How are you today?
3: Hello. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back. Are you? Yeah, seriously. I mean, I got used to sleeping until like 1130 yeah. every day, yeah. and it's just like I'm, I'm get, I was getting way too much sleep and being way too lazy and just watching, you know, bunches of crappy movies. And
1: you just find yourself doing nothing, which is...
3: Which is good. Yeah, I know I I did find myself doing nothing. We and did... then I can't ride my bike or anything because it's so crappy outside that so right. like done nothing but eat a lot of food and watch a bunch of movies.
1: And then it just and we'll talk about uh, about what we all did for New Year's here and I've got some sound and I get it. i you know I referenced the Dick Clark thing and I do have the obligatory Dick Clark cut so we can all make the observations that we desperately oh, want to see make. Him, but I oh it was dude, it was, terrible. Terrible. it was just I mean it's it... Well, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it because I got like four different things to play from from New Year's Eve. So we'll do that actually in this in this first segment. So when Richie gets back in here, uh, we'll, we'll move on to that. But I should say, so we were gone the bulk of Christmas week because I was in Provo, and then we were gone last Thursday and Friday. We were gone New Year's Day and then the day after. And I mean, it. The other thing that made it sort of tricky for me is because I mean, it, everybody knows that I sort of operate on you know, on a, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. And I'm kind of a type A personality, so that's why I always have the day planner in front of me. Because without my day planner and without structure and order and a schedule, like my brain just falls apart and I just get a whole lot of, I mean, I just become a big, just a big pile of apathy and just confusion. So, A, I didn't have my day planner for the longest time because the day planner company was sort of caught unawares by the end of the year coming up. And so they weren't able, you know, they didn't, they weren't in stock. So I finally had to go to the... Like I tried all the office supply stores, like the Office Depot and the Office Max and the Staples and the whatever. Fries, just trying everywhere I could to try to to, to to find my brand of day planner, and I could never find it. So I ended up going to like, I don't know, like Safeway or something, and I bought like a three dollar and ninety nine cent planner. One of the, just like some ghetto planner that was at the, like one of those end of aisle displays, which isn't really all that good, but it's going to kind of get me through for now. So I finally had a day planner, but then my wife was, you know, she was gone because she had to work several days in a row, and then she went to the coast with some friends of hers. And, you know, a bunch of her, like...
3: I saw that on her Facebook status.
1: Really? Did it say Lara's spending time with stinking hippies at the coast?
3: It sure, well, not so much stinking hippies as, like,
1: stinking hippies. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was. And God did it say, Laura, God bless her, doesn't make her husband spend time with her hideous <laughs> granola-crunching friends. So, that's
3: what I love because she listed, like, she's just like, I'm going to the coast and listed a bunch of people who weren't you. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Rick, got to that one. <laughs> going to the coast
1: with the following 15 people. Rick will be left at home. But, so, there was three different things happening. One is I had no day planner. Two... I wasn't working. You know, we weren't doing the show. And then three, Lara was gone. So any sort of external sense of structure that would otherwise have been imposed upon me was just absent. So I was just sitting there not knowing what... And I lost track of time. And I started going to bed at like 5 in the morning and getting up at noon. And it was just... It was all kinds of weird... And then the hours that I was awake, I'd spend about 80% of them online playing Left 4 Dead. And, of course, in Left 4 Dead, it's always, you know, 2 a.m. Like, it's always pitch black and you're surrounded by zombies who are trying to pull out your spinal column. So it's just... I'm glad to be back. I really am. I mean, I can't... Here's the thing about me. I can't be left alone for too long because I just turn into... I turn into some sort of weird, filthy Benjamin Button. You know what I mean? Where I start to regress and I become a 10-year-old who forgets to change his clothes or shave or wash or eat anything that doesn't come with a cheese packet. I mean, I. here's the thing. and Like with Lara not around... And I don't know, see, see and you guys, it's different for you guys because you guys live, I mean, you either live alone or you're single. So you all don't know what it's like to have somebody else impose like an eating structure on you. Because Laura, yeah. God bless her, she likes to, you know, she likes to cook, cook at home. She likes to make dinner. It's not a thing I ask her to do, not a thing I expect her to do, but she enjoys cooking at home. And she has a much more, she has a much more ingrained sense of routine in terms of eating. In other words, Laura is a big fan of breakfast, lunch, dinner. Mm-hmm. and. She doesn't make me kind of like do it with her. In other words, it's not like I have to stop everything I'm doing and to eat dinner with her if she's eating. But because she does have kind of a sense of three meals a day on some sort of a schedule, I typically just kind of fall into doing that along with her. When she's not around, though, I, I don't eat regularly. What I do is I eat one huge meal a day of 7,000 calories, and then I don't eat for the rest of the day.
3: Well, like eat like two Totino's pizzas or something like or, uh,
1: that? Or, let's say for the sake of argument, an entire box of Quaker granola cereal. Okay. Which it's the sort of thing you finish and then you look down at the box and you kind of go, I don't know why I did that. And like I've never been bulimic or anorexic or I don't have anything like that. But you sort of do realize. Like, do you ever? Let me ask you this, and then we'll move on. Do you ever have a moment where you've eaten something or perhaps a whole lot of something, and you kind of look inside yourself and you think you have that moment where you go. Okay, I understand why people are bulimic. It makes total sense now because you look down and you realize you have consumed, in fact, five packages of Gino's pizza rolls, and you and you start to, and it, and it, and it's that thing where you don't know how many calories it is, and like you don't want to know, but you have to know, and so you pick up the box and you look at it and oh, that's only 260. Oh my God, six servings, and you realize you've you've had 5,000 calories worth of just fat and salt and grease and crap, and you think to yourself. Okay, this is how Lifetime movies happen. Because if I was, Chris, you know, Christy McNichol, I'd be in the bathroom right now just horking it all up. So, anyway, so with Lara gone, I just, I just had to turn into a big, uh, just a big load. That's what happens to me. So, anyway. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you today? Hello, good. All right. How was your New Year's? Uh, I was different. You know, I quit smoking like three months ago. Now, how's that? Now, we haven't nagged you about it because I don't want to be that guy kind of always pressing you about the knot because at a certain point it just becomes stressful to have somebody who was prodding you about it so how's mm-hmm. that going well i i quit smoking and drinking so on new year's i wasn't why drinking. did you quit wait when did you quit drinking same time you didn't tell us that yeah did you know that richie quit drinking
3: yeah because he's trying to lose
5: weight oh
1: so it wasn't like a lifestyle thing it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't thing. it wasn't like your life had become unmanageable no midlife crisis all right okay <laughs> but anyway so I, I i'm not drinking and smoking on new year's it was a little different party and I'm, I'm hanging around and you know you're day. the only one who's sober and not smoking yeah it is what weird. was that like uh, I'm hitting on girls that are drunk. It's it's kind of I feel like a creep. <laughs> <laughs> because you have their because you have your faculties and they're listing around uh, about to fall over. Yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. Well, it's like having. Here's the thing about this. Here's something you ought to know. When you are the only sober person in a room, when everybody else is either drunk or stoned or something, and you are the one person in the room who's straight. It is like having the Jedi mind trick. That's the thing about it. It's like if you've, ever, if you've ever watched Star Wars and you said, by God, I'd love to have that ability. All you have to do is go to a party like that and remain stone cold sober the entire night. Okay. And by about 2 a.m., you will be able to, you know, it doesn't matter what. You and your three slutty friends will all go home with me. And, it's, I mean, I would say like probably eight times out of ten, you'll have some degree of success. That's so, a good number. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. These are, the, these are the things that I've learned in my life. These are life lessons from the existence of uh, Rick Emerson. All right. Um So, did anybody watch the Dick Clark thing, or am I alone? You're alone. You're alone. Really? Well, you guys were probably out at actual parties, right? Yeah, you were doing things. Yeah, I
3: did the barfly bus.
1: Oh, how was that?
3: It was fun. I was really kind of hesitant at first, because the comedian was hosting one of the um barfly buses. Which, right. P.S., side note, I started reading The Watchmen, and me calling, you know, boy, I'm seeing the comedian. Isn't that, that creepy? The thing yeah, ever. yeah. Because anyway. then
1: you figure he's like a big rapey mercenary.
3: Seriously, rapey, like rib-breaking man. Um... <laughs> That's how you like him, yeah. Oh yeah. That's how you know he loves you. So the comedian was uh, hosting a barfly bus, so I went on it with him and um and it was fun. At first when I got there, like I didn't I didn't know anybody, but just like all barfly buses, like you don't know anybody the first bar and the second bar you've made like ten friends. Sure. You know, sure. So.
1: And by the time you by the time you get to the third or fourth bar you've known each other forever and you're willing to die for one another.
3: <laughs> yeah. Seriously, it was a lot of fun. The best part though. The best part, let me tell you this. So, the comedian was uh, seeing this lady. And
1: this is the comedian. This is Sarah's. Is he your boyfriend now? Yeah. Just say yes. Yes, he's my boyfriend. All right. So, your your boyfriend, the comedian. Uh, Your future uh. ex boyfriend.
3: (laughs) Thanks, Richie. Um, So, I went on the barfly bus with them. And uh, so, I I see one girl that I know because the meetup place is at Dante's. I see this Uh girl, Chrissy, that I know. I'm like, oh, hey. And she's like, with this girl and she's like oh this is Mary Mm -hmm. and she's like oh hi I'm like hi how are you blah 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 get to the next bar I'm already
1: reading ahead to the end of this yes
3: we get to Holocene and you know you're like quarantined into that little um, like smoking area with the shower curtain and so you know this guy walks in who's on the bus and there are like ten people sitting around And he's like, hey, so he looks at me, he's like, so how do you know, you know, the comedian? And I was like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of dating. We're boyfriend, girlfriend. Well, and the girl sitting next to me, Chrissy, who was one of my mutual friends, she's like, oh, so did she. And I look, and so right before uh, the comedian and I started dating, he dated this girl. um, Mary. Who ended up Mary, who ended up moving to New York. Mm -hmm. Who? Was back for New Year's Eve. How nice for her. And uh, <laughs> showed up on the barfly bus. And she's sitting there. So I'm talking to her this whole time. And she's sitting, in the, like, the one person I know is her friend. So I'm sitting there. And it's totally awkward because they uh, there wasn't anything big that happened. It's just, like, she ended up moving away. Right. And then all of a sudden, poof, she's here on the barfly sure. bus. I'm like, great. So I don't have any friends with me. The only person that I know is, like, good friends with uh, the comedian's most recent ex-girlfriend. That's before fantastic. Me. It was so horribly awkward. And so at any
1: point now, was he in the presence of both of you guys at any point during the evening?
3: Oh, no. Well, he... So I finished talking to uh, Sophie and Mary, and then Mary ended up leaving the Smokies. She's like, oh, well, I'm going to go out there. I'm like, okay, this is really awkward. And I kept saying how... I'm like, right. wow, this isn't awkward. You know, just trying to make it funnier. But
1: there was no time during the evening where it was you and the ex-girlfriend and him all in one oh, place? Oh,
3: no. No, she was all over him. Of like, course. Of course. Well, so, so she left, and then uh, the comedian comes walking in, and I'm just like, so... When were you going to tell me about Mary? Ran into another one of your like, exes. Hey, that's like, the
1: second time that's happened to you.
3: Oh, no. Yeah, and I yeah, and I saw... Um, and then I also saw him perform last night, and both of them were there.
1: That's great. So it was you and your boyfriend's on stage performing, and two of his ex-girlfriends are right
3: there. Oh, yeah, and one of them, like the one who's from out of town, all of a sudden, you know... She's in from out of town for a week, yet she has to. I don't know.
1: Really, being a comedian is a much more advantageous career choice than I would have thought. Really? It just a few weeks no, ago, they're
3: they are all over him. Like he has... Who would
1: have thought? I mean, I had no. Really, I always assumed the comedians never got girls. No, I always has... assumed that that was sort of a shuck that they said. That when they would do, when you hear about comedians that like, well, i just like a guy who can make me laugh. I always thought that was a lie.
3: No, no, he has girls all over him. Good for well, him. Yeah, so it's awkward, yeah, on the barfly bus, but. Um, That's great. Yeah, she was. I mean, she was nice, and at one point. You know, we had to have a discussion like a few bars into the night. I was just like, because she kept, you know, coming up to him and talking to him. and It was making me really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And finally, at one point, I'm just like, hey, so am I going to spend my New Year's Eve watching you flirt with your ex-girlfriend? <laughs> or are we going to have a good That's time? Great. And he's like, no, no, no. And he, he explained some other circumstances to why they broke up. Have
1: you ever thought about just staying in on New Year's Eve? Because New year's your New, New, New year's, year's Eves tend to work out really badly. Well, at
3: least this one didn't happen with me having a beer thrown in my face. That was two and years
1: like, ago, right? Your, uh, your guy at the time threw a, threw a beer in your face? It was amazing. Yeah. I know That's
3: great. And then I woke up the next day and my car was vandalized. That's
1: wonderful. <laughs> right.
3: But no, it, it turned out to be a fun night. Honestly, like after we got that out of the way, it was a lot of fun. All right. Have you already? Have,
1: let me ask you this. Have you asked your boyfriend? So, how do I put this? I'm trying. Uh, now, here's the thing. Now you, you know. I what? would just say what I'm just you saying. Now to. you. Now you know I love you. So this comes from the place of. You know, I'm just saying. This oh. is, I'm just making the observation. It seems to me that. It seems to me that dating this guy is sort of a bit like playing Minesweeper. And Portland is just a sea of gray squares. And you're not quite sure when the, like, the next mine is going to be. And so as you're walking through, you know, like the next time you're going to be like, you know, let's I don't know, let's go get some dibs at 2 in the morning. And you're going to walk into Safeway and like the girl manning the frozen food section is going to be some other girl that no, he's bonked. No,
3: seriously, I'm just like, you know, comedian, keep it in your pants. How come I have to everywhere I go? Have I you can't... just
1: flat out asked him how many girls in Portland he slept with? Yes. Really? Was it more than you expected? Yeah. Really? Oh, Double digits?
5: Yes. Yeah. So comedians
4: get lucky. Uh, apparently like, they get
1: lucky. Mean, and I'm, 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 gonna, I'm
3: gonna give you the finger number. But. All right.
1: Okay. Really? No. Wait. Wait. Is that a that? In Portland? That's just in Portland. That's the number of girls he's been with. Biblically. Um. Probably.
3: No. I think probably about in Portland.
1: All right. Oh, but so so that many in Portland, but then an additional X number oh. above that.
3: Yeah. Well, that's nothing to Richie. Well, that's 1989.
5: 1989.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so that means that there are that that means there are. Sarah just told me oh, the no. number. Yeah,
3: no, it's yeah, they're everywhere.
1: You just Sarah just indicated to me with her with fingers. Uh, and the, I'll just
3: and will randomly introduce me to girls every once in a while, and that's all that goes to my head. I'm like,
1: oh. So you know, but so 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 we we won't use the number on the air, but but you just indicated to me the number of women in Portland that your boyfriend has been with before you, and so that means that there are still...
3: No, I can't see. Lot. I can't say the number, but, they, <laughs> but you,
1: women. like, are you? But I mean, that, that's the thing. Are you thinking like, oh, there's this many left to be discovered?
3: No, I remember, I've stopped. I've stopped asking the question. It's like some
1: horrible reverse scavenger hunt where the where like the prize is pain. No,
3: it's horrible. So I go to Brubatis to see because he was hosting a comedy show last night. You should
1: ask him just to get them all in a room so you can meet them all like a speed dating thing all at once.
3: There's
1: all the women I've had sex with.
3: No, it was awful. So yeah, I get to Brubatis. I'm sitting there and I'm already kind of in a bad mood. And then I look and at Mary's least you were drinking. Yeah, seriously, and Mary's sitting right in front of me, and mm-hmm. then I look over.
1: And, There's the other girl. And
3: and the girl who was this little F Betty for a right. while was, like, sitting on the other side, and was, like, surrounded by people he slept with. This that's, is amazing.
1: That's fantastic. I am
3: having a great night.
1: The great thing is that means we get to have this conversation many, 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 many more times as you guys go more places in Portland.
3: Exactly. I think we might be going out to eat something tonight, so I'll let you ah. know who else we Let me know. If, let me
1: know if we F the waitress.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> See, but I'm not going to have any more stories because I'm not going to ask anymore.
1: See, but well, no, but see, you won't have to ask because the awkwardness will indicate all you need to know. Is because it's, it's good. I told you that story about um, I told you that story I think off the air, but I told you that story about how um, there was um a girl that I dated when I lived in another state.
5: Yeah.
1: And she can She was a musician and she came to town to you perform. You came
3: to talk right after I had asked yes. him about. She
1: came to perform and uh and I'm a, I'm a legitimately big fan of her music and she came to town to play and i told her i'm like hey we should go see so and so i'm a big fan of her music blah blah, blah. and i played some, and she's like oh that that's really great we should go see and i'm like yeah i know her and so we went to, we went to see her play and she gets up there with you know the band and they're playing and then like they they took a break and she comes down into the whatever and, and she comes down to the audience and and she she sees me because i would sent her an email like hey i'm going to be at the, i'm going to be at the show so the, she gets done playing her set they get off the stage, she comes down, and she gives me the big hug, and she's like, hey, good to see you. And I'm like, good to see you too. Mm-hmm. And we didn't say anything like, hey, it's been a while since we've had sexual relations or whatever. I just We just hugged and said hello, and then she went off to kind of huddle with the band. And as soon as she walked away, Lars turned and looked at me, and she gave me that look that was the temperature of liquid helium, just kind of saying, so you and her. And it was like, it wasn't, it was like a sentence fragment that managed to be a question. And I said yes, and Lars said, "So did you guys like um, get together at some point?" And I said, "And I'm such a retard that I didn't think it was a big deal. Like I had never thought to tell her because I didn't think it mattered because I was dumb. Oh, well, see, but I didn't. I didn't know. I was you know even the, even dumber than I am now. I'm not like I'm all that bright now, but I was even stupider then. So Lars So did you? So did you get together with her at some point?' And I said." Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a few years ago we were we were together for a while. It's not a big. Uh, why you give me that look, hon? Huh? What's wrong? I, ah, crap! I've done something wrong, haven't I? And so I. But then I realized, in retrospect, like there was no good way to have handled it. Like, I don't. I, even now, I don't know how I should have handled that because mm-hmm. it didn't work to take Liar to the show and then. You know, have the girl come down in for Lara to figure out that I'd been with her, with the big biblical B earlier. That didn't work. But, like, on the other hand, it also wouldn't have worked to be, to be up front. Like, hey, there's this girl I slept with. Uh, why don't we go see her band play? I mean, that wasn't going to work either. I'm still a
3: huge fan of her. I'm still a
1: huge fan. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really into her. And so... No, but I mean, there's no... Like, there would have been no... There was no way to have approached it that would have not ended badly. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's so difficult to be a guy sometimes. Because I have... It's like, you know what it is? Here's a little reference for my, my peeps in the house. Situations like that, they're like the Kobayashi Maru of dating. Where there is no... That's the thing. There's no solution. There's no way out.
3: No, and I felt bad for the comedian, too, because... I don't. I didn't express to him how uncomfortable I felt last night, but I'm pretty sure that he knew. As oh, he sitting, knows. I, I'm sitting yeah. surrounded
5: by. Well, you guys,
1: you guys have have you know at this point, as with any relationship, you guys have had a couple of uh, speed bumps. Yes. Few discussions that maybe were uh, you know not so pleasant, but that happens when the uh, you know when when couples get together. So he at this point can probably sense when you're when you're pissed. Uh, so I'm sure that he, or, or at least feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, it wasn't about this. that. It
3: was just like, oh wow, she's in town for a yeah. week, and not only was she there on New Year's Eve, but uh, she randomly comes down while yes, it's right. snowing yes. to the comedy show. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really it's good awesome. that she
1: can make it out, Sarah. Seriously. She's a big, she's a big fan. Um, all right, uh, do we have to break? Yeah, or we, we have we... to break. Oh, yeah. Damn. All right, I haven't gotten to any of these New Year's cuts. Um, if you guys didn't, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, do you guys know about Anderson Cooper and Kathy Griffin? No. Oh wow. Oh, wow. Okay, don't look it up. I order you both to stay away from the computer. Don't check your email. Don't look at anything. Because I'm going to play it when we get back. I'll play it with Lisa on the phone. Because it happened on CNN, on live television. That's a guarantee. All right, back after this. Stay there. All right. Why, hello? It is the Rick Emerson Radio program. By the way, well. but I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say that I really am glad that you and I are together here on the show because it, it it's good to have somebody to commiserate with about about things like this because you and I are very much the same in that neither in terms of relationships and other things uh, of that nature, neither you or, or I ever do the right thing in advance or think things through or figure anything out before it happens you and I are both just the whole like let's figure out how hot the candle is by sticking our hand in it yep. tight that's my thing right every that's just, time I'm not gonna say anything I'll just wait I'll figure out where the line is by crossing it <laughs> so that's totally you know I'll figure out how I'm gonna handle with this you know handle the situation with their exes when I meet them I won't bother to think it through in advance mm-hmm. and then it all you know so that's my thing too and then I'll just go swimming that's now. right let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show from the hill CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning, and how are you today?
6: Hi, good morning. I'm good. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. Happy New Year.
6: Hey, happy New Year. Hey,
1: how about that Kathy Griffin? How
6: about, uh, yeah, we watched that, because we, both Jason and I were sick this weekend, and we watched that for, actually for, like, most of the week, but we we watched maybe, uh, the ten minutes there, and, uh,
1: yeah. Did you uh? Did you? So you, of course, watched the live East Coast feed of that.
6: I did watch the live East Coast feed. You know,
1: um, it
6: uh, was. I mean, it was. It was. Bam. Yeah.
1: And so, do you you know what I'm referring to? Of course.
6: Yep, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, and I don't. When are we going to?
1: The curtain is caught in your chair okay. over there. Um, the, um, we have $600 curtains here in the studio, and one of them is caught on the wheel of Sarah's uh, chair, and I wanted to uh, be torn down. That's amazing
6: I, that you knew how much they cost.
1: I was at Bed Bath & Beyond to There's purchase them.
6: talking about his suits.
1: <laughs> Come on!
4: <laughs>
1: um, no, myself and the engineer at the time, Jeff McGinley, went to Bed Bath & Beyond when we were uh, building the studio because I wanted to pick the curtains up myself. It was very important that we have the right curtains.
3: This was wow. $600 for one of them? That, that
1: makes... set of curtains was $600. Really? Yeah. I'm in the wrong... Look, I wouldn't pay for it. That was less moon vest. So, uh, that's a good... It's a good thing I bought those curtains when I did. Let's just put it that way. Um So, yeah. Uh, so, well,
5: he,
6: I, I, I got to follow your lead on the Kathy... I okay. don't know. No, I no, no,
1: no, I've got... There's, there's no lead. I've got the audio right here. Oh, so great. um So, Kathy Griffin, who is... Off putting and unfunny, was chosen for some reason. And I'm assuming it was Anderson Cooper's personal choice. Like, I'm assuming he just picked her.
6: Um, you know, I have no idea.
1: It um, does seem like Anderson Cooper might be the sort to be attracted to brassy women. Giggle.
6: I think she makes him giggle, but I, that's all I know. Giggle
1: I like a schoolgirl.
6: <laughs> so I,
1: uh, maybe Bette Midler was unavailable. So. <laughs> Uh so Kathy Griffin, uh who is married to Steve Wozniak of all people, the co founder of Apple Computer, which is just like a real WTF Whoa, kind no of a idea. thing. Steve Wozniak. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Kathy Griffin and Steve Wozniak got married, I think, actually about six months ago. It's just all it's weird. Anyway, so so I was at you know, Laura and I, we had a very low I didn't talk about it after we got too so busy talking about Sarah's night, I didn't talk about what I did for New Year's. So it was very low key. Um Laura and I just went to dinner at our, we have this uh, uh, kind of an Italian place we're very fond of, and so we went there, and we had this long sort of like, you know, kind of relaxed uh, dinner, and we were going to go, we passed a smoking ban that took effect on New Year's Eve or, you know, New Year's Day, so we were going to go hit one of our kind of favorite bars and sort of see it in its last you know, last night is a smoke field venue, but we, we didn't do that, and there was a show here, there's a band that I was kind of interested in seeing, and I didn't go see that either. We just went home, basically. We had dinner, and then we went home and sat on the couch, and literally just rang in the New Year, each of us sitting on, on we, we have two sofas, each of us sitting on the sofa, each of us holding a dog, watching Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve, and then flipping back and forth between that and seeing it on. That was That was our evening, because we're just that exciting, so...
6: We, we were really
1: lame as well. I mean, yes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being lame. I uh, I prefer to think of it as uh, you know saving my energy for the people. <laughs> so right. Anderson Cooper at one point had decided that it was a good idea to have Kathy Griffin co-host his New Year's Eve special, which I think he did last year as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And first of all, there was any number of off-putting moments, and I'm assuming, sir, you didn't watch any of the CNN coverage. That no, either. no. So imagine, if you will, Anderson Cooper at various points in the evening introducing the Jonas Brothers, which I guess was... Not bad. It just seemed weird for CNN to be having the Jonas Brothers play. It was it was very. I don't know. If the, can I ask you a question, Lisa? Do you think? I hate to be impolite about these things. Do you think that with the um, the recent uh, stroking of Dick Clark, do you suppose that Anderson Cooper just sees this as his moment? This is like the king is the king is is the king is ailing, and this is his shot at, at taking the crown. I mean.
6: I suspect not so much Anderson Cooper, but CNN. Really? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if CNN's thinking there's a little opening there. I mean, it's really not a giant, you know, they probably don't talk about it all the time, but they say, hey, you know, if we can snag New Year's Eve, that'd be nice. I wonder
1: if they just figure, though, that, yeah, well, you know, well, because there is this weird sort of chink in the arm moment where Dick Clark is obviously not, he's not going to be hosting that for too many more years. I mean, somebody at some point has to sit him down or... I imagine he's already sitting at this point, but somebody has to. Somebody really has to talk to Dick Clark and just say, "Look, dude, it's time. Like, you must end this now. This you you cannot continue to do this." But yet, Seacrest is there, sort of on the periphery. Right. Se- Boy, and is Ryan Seacrest just the angel of death, or what? It, it, Ryan Seacrest is just sitting there, just hovering, like Dick Clark is a piece of carrion. I mean, it's just.
6: NBC's was was more off putting to me than CNN's, which is saying a lot.
1: I mean, it really is. You Sorry, know, what it, it, CNN, it, yeah. it, it's like it's like it's like the time after a sick relative has signed the will, but before they've unplugged life support, and your job is just is there to you know you're just there to to make sure that you don't irritate them and you don't marry anybody they're going to disapprove of. Like that's your whole thing.
6: Yeah, you're and just weird, and it was almost like everyone had these really kind of forced. Every, was, everything was so forced. Like, I'm super hyped, or I'm just smiling now for a really long time.
1: Everybody was, I think, and you really nailed it when you said forced. Uh, and I, we'll get back to CNN in a second, Boyd, because Kelly Pickler.
6: Oh, yeah.
1: Jesus. I mean.
6: We were both like, who, who is that? Well, Maybe?
1: she's like an American Idol. Yeah. I don't even think she won. I think she's like a runner up or something from yeah, American she's, Idol. She's
6: at first and it, it was a little scary she was a little scary
1: i am not of course saying that kelly pickler was on drugs but uh oh, if if one were to imagine a parallel universe in which kelly pickler had snorted lots of cocaine oh, no. before going on the air that's exactly what it seemed like that's <laughs> the only observation i'm going to make we'll get more. but okay. so but over on cnn so there's yeah. henderson cooper with kathy griffin who i guess must appeal to somebody somewhere although i have to say i've never met any of those people She's not like some polarizing comedians and comedians where, where you know they're kind of offputting to some people, but at the same time they got a rabid fan base. Margaret Show comes to mind. I know a lot of people yeah, that's,
5: don't. That's a good example. But.
1: You know what? I know a lot of people don't like Margaret Show, and I really do. I think Mar- I know that yeah. she's unpopular. A lot of folks hate her, but Margaret Show is hilarious, and I find Margaret Show to be really, really funny and charismatic in a sort of negative way. Um, it, it, Kathy Griffin is just sort of. I, she's just sort of shrill and adenoidal and sounds like she's always got a lot of phlegm building up that she's got to get rid of.
6: You know what? I think if she weren't, um, and, and she actually is famous now, of course, if she weren't famous, I think she'd kind of be a fun friend. I like her sass. I like she's kind of got, I, I, I think I would like her as a friend, but I think it's uh, on... TV or in like this big, it kind of it, it may get a little old. I don't know, it may wear on you. I don't know. I kind of I kind of like her. I don't love her, but I, I kind of like
1: her. Yeah, there's something. So but, there's something. Yeah, there's, there's something really really odd about her. And so as they're as they're going on, and uh, she's seen both of them seem obviously like stone sober throughout the night. But as the CNN New Year special goes on, I think she was feeling like she had to sort of constantly be topping herself. Like she should be ramping up the sort of sass or the the edginess or whatever it is that Kathy Griffin thinks makes her. Whatever. Right. So she had to constantly be sort of upping the ante. So at one point, the Jonas Brothers, and I have to confess that that Jonas Brothers song, I don't remember it now, but the Jonas Brothers played some song and it was stuck in my head for the rest of the night. I heard the chorus once and I was just sort of whistling it throughout the evening, which much to my horror. But she's sort of like taunting the Jonas Brothers, which just seems like the lowest hanging fruit you can possibly imagine. I mean, really, if you're taunting, if you're making fun of the Jonas Brothers, like you're, that's not really like groundbreaking. Uh, you know, that's not like a Noel cowardesque wit you bring into the table. But... As the as the evening gets ready to, to wrap up, apparently, and this is as they were saying their final goodnights and goodbyes or whatever, or they were getting ready to sort of close it out, they're, they're and I don't know whether they were going to go to a break or not, but there's Anderson Cooper and Kathy Griffin, and apparently somebody you couldn't see, somebody off camera was like, I guess, heckling or taunting her, mm-hmm. and Kathy Griffin responds to this heckler, again, who you cannot see. There's some guy off camera who's, I guess, giving her a bit, a bit of lip. And Kathy Griffin says, and I've bleeped this here, Kathy Griffin says the following thing on live television while sitting six inches away from Anderson Cooper, who has to retain his composure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next voice you hear will be that of Kathy Griffin, live on CNN on New Year's, responding to a heckler.
5: You know what? I'm going to go to your job and knock the d**k out of your mouth. That's
1: up. Yeah. Let's play that one more time. You
7: know what? Out of
1: your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you said, sir. And, and then
3: that's them panicking and playing music. And then it's, oh, we going to
1: get a break. <laughs> and the best part was watching Anderson Cooper's reaction, and the only thing I can compare it to. Do you remember that moment when Kanye West suddenly said, George Bush doesn't care about black people? And there's Mike yeah, Myers. Mike, and, and Mike Myers was sitting there t- t- realizing that something had gone horribly wrong. Somebody was no longer on the script. They had gone off teleprompter. And Mike Myers. Sitting there with that frozen smile. There's Kanye West deviated, though, from the script about, about the hurricane. And, um, th- that's the only thing I can compare that to. The, uh, let's one more time here. Let's just with the, uh,
7: the. You know what? I'm gonna go to your job and knock the <laughs> out of your mouth.
1: So.
3: What does that even mean?
1: I think she was implying that the heckler was, in fact, a male trick of some kind. Oh. Sarah.
6: Okay.
1: That he might have been a twink for hire. Um,.
6: Yeah, I think that's the...
1: Thoughts on your network, Lisa Desjardins?
6: How about it, you know? Pushing the boundaries of uh, journalism.
1: Wow. I mean, it's just so... it was. But the but again, like the Mike Myers, uh, Kanye West thing, it was just the look on his face made it all worthwhile.
6: Well, you know, from the very beginning of the show, she was like, really, I am going to just throw it out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like there was a uh, really serious, like, Self genital reference, like in the first three minutes.
1: I must have missed that.
6: Like, it was really pretty crazy. And I I almost think it might have involved Barack Obama as well. Like, it was a really crazy, like, there was some, just right off the bat, it was like, whoa. Uh,
5: uh,
1: You know, and the best uh, part about moments like that is just picturing what's going on in the booth. You know what I mean?
6: Yeah, it was. Well, you know, I think on the one hand, I can imagine. Some producer at CNN saying, "You know what? We like it rough. Be yourself. You know, we want we want it. We want people to not know what's going to happen next. We oh. want it to be unpredictable."
1: Well, mission you know? accomplished.
6: And then uh, that's what they got. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. I just
6: do, uh, but we are talking about it. You know, in some ways, uh, they say that you know, not not a bad thing. Not no such thing as bad press. I guess. Supposed
1: they'll, suppose they'll make it a third year for her this coming December.
6: You know, I don't know. That's a t- I, uh, I don't know. That that's that's a that's a fifty-fifty.
1: Uh, I don't even know where to uh, where to start. I mean, we, go, we we're kind of yeah. up up against the clock here to do, you know some stuff to get to. But where where are we with our good friend Rob Rob Blagojevich?
6: Oh, Rob Blagojevich, how about that? Well, um, this Rob Blagojevich himself, the case against him, the prosecutor in that case has gotten a three-month extension just today, so he doesn't have to really present all of his evidence to a court uh, until April now. He got three-month extension. So that means anybody else uh, that thinks they're in trouble in this uh, could still be in trouble. So he's got all this time to do more investigating. Meanwhile, uh, his appointment to the Senate, Roland Burris, uh, my new favorite character in the world of uh, congressional politics, he, uh, his staff presented his credentials as a U.S. senator today and they were rejected because it didn't he didn't have his own Secretary of State's signature on it now Burris still says that he is going to show up tomorrow that he he sees himself as a United States senator and he believes he should have the full powers privileges responsibilities of a US senator but of course so far he has been denied is
2: that what
1: takes now you just see yourself as something
6: <laughs> it might, might be well you know t- technically by law it is the governor's power to appoint that person, and the governor in this case has done it. However, I mean, when else have we had – it's not just that Governor Blagojevich is accused of corruption, but he's accused of selling this exact Senate seat. So that's where it gets real sticky. Uh, tomorrow, we don't expect a fist fight, but it's very likely that this man could come to the Capitol and be denied entry which is always fun. on the That's phone just day.
1: fantastic. Okay. I mean, I just, what could I do to make sure that that happens?
6: This is just the best story ever. It yeah. really
1: is. I mean, how, because, you know, it's one of those things that I love where it's like a face-off or, you know, they're in uncharted waters with something. And the um,
6: guy in charge of security at the Senate um, used to be, in charge of the Illinois police at the same time as Roland Burris was Illinois Attorney General.
1: So you just let me know if there's anything I can do to contribute to this uh, to this standoff. I mean, I just okay. you know I like to uh, I like to help the drama along if I can.
6: All right, I'll see if I can come up with something. All but, yeah, right. definitely lots of drama. Um, Barack Obama's up here today. Not he's not commenting. He's got his big economic stimulus plan. We're waiting for details of that really. And then um, we just learned that um, Leon Panetta. Uh, Clinton, Chief of Staff, is Barack Obama's choice to head the CIA.
1: All right. And then because it began, what's his name? Richardson is out, right?
6: Yeah, and Richardson is out. How about that? <laughs> right, how about that?
1: I mean, it's just, it's quite a, it's you know, I have to tell you, that I think that this may be, uh, set some sort of land speed record for his shortest honeymoon ever for, uh, for no, a new president. Know, I
6: think he's still got the honeymoon. I think the Richardson thing. I, I think it, it just absorbs into the blob. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it, for now.
1: It absorbs into the – it pa- passes through the semi permeable mem- membrane.
6: That's exactly how exactly uh, it, it's really it. I don't know. Not not really any kind of scratch on Obama from that. And and you know it did feel like Richardson was the least enthusiastic of all of his.
1: Just sort of a. Sort didn't of it
6: kind of seemed like Richardson was like well. Like an
1: obligatory kind of a well. All
5: right.
6: I'll go somewhere where I can kind of hang out and have some lunches. <laughs> You we're know, just everybody else is like I've got this plan and we're gonna do it in the first week and you know we're gonna solve we're gonna Middle East conflict is gonna end you know we're just like, eh yeah I guess I'd like that.
1: All right, excellent. On that note, um, are you on tomorrow? I am. All right, we will uh, we will talk to you. Until then, I'd like to leave you with this thought. You know what? I going to go to your job. Not <laughs> the tea that job. here you go. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, thank you, Lisa Dechartan, ladies and gentlemen. That's wonderful. All right, excellent. We'll uh, talk with uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer in like five seconds here. How great is that? Come on,
3: that's pretty great.
1: The, and just the frozen look but on that Anderson Cooper's thing is just
3: face. It's awkward. It's weird. It doesn't yeah. make any sense.
1: No, no, it does not. So yeah.
3: I want to see. I'm going to look it up on YouTube so I can see Anderson Cooper's face.
1: Uh, you can see it at RileyLive.com. RileyLive.com, com. Yeah. By the way, RileyLive.com, which is the home of Tim Riley's new daily podcast, which launches uh, today. So if you have been missing Tim Riley, as have we all, he is never far from our thoughts. Uh, Tim Riley's new, uh, podcast, uh, which, you know, has world domination, I would say, within its grass launchers today. You can find that at RileyLive.com. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Correspondent Amanda Moyer, hello and happy New Year to you. Hi, happy
7: New Year to you as well.
1: How are you? How are things?
7: Ah, things are going all right.
1: Did you have, uh, I don't know, an exemplary New Year's? Did you do anything exciting?
7: anything overly exciting uh i did watch the rose bowl and wasn't too happy about that but
1: uh the rose bowl is a sporting event
7: yes it is i and don't really and, uh, know anything my, about my penn state nittany lions were playing against usc and uh they lost
1: can i tell you what a thoroughly emasculating experience this show is sometimes because with lisa desjardins with whom we just spoke and she's also a sports fan and so occasionally we will get this sort of you know, where it's almost like an alley oop kind of a thing. Related like two calls in a row. Uh, I am revealed to just have absolutely zero sports knowledge at all, at all, at all. So, Aww. um You know, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, so, in any event, um, well, I don't even. There's just just so much that has happened over the past two weeks, and I'm going to try to hold all my thoughts to just stuff that's happened today. So, where are we with with Al Franken? Because I know that at a certain point they were saying. It was undecided. There was all these absentee ballots. But I think this morning they were saying that they actually called it for him.
7: That's right. Well, it was undecided for quite a while, and there was a lot of uh, going back and forth between Coleman and Franken about some unchallenged ballots. But the state election board, that's the Minnesota election board, They are uh, going to call Al Franken as the winner of the Minnesota Senate race. Uh, They say that he is ahead by 225 votes. I spoke with the Secretary of State there, and uh, he said that they've uh, gone through the entire process. They believe it's very accurate, and they're going to announce these results in about an hour or so.
5: So is
1: this now, can we expect, like, the usual round of lawsuits and complaints and tantrums, you know, over this?
7: Well, that could happen. Coleman's attorneys have maintained that there's no real standard for local officials uh, with the improperly rejected ballots. Those are the ones I was talking about before. They say there's about 650 of those that uh, aren't in the mix because all the parties couldn't agree on them. So there is a chance that Coleman could uh, file a suit. After um, officials today announced the winner, Each candidate has seven days, seven calendar days, to object to the results. So basically, we'll be watching seven days to see if Coleman um, objects. If he doesn't object, then it's just a procedural issue with the governor of Minnesota and the Secretary of State's office. They sign something, and then it moves forward, and then Minnesota will have two senators.
1: Okay, I got like 900 uh, different thoughts on this. First of all, I know we're past the election, and this is sort of the last gasp of that, that whole thing here, but... It seems like at this point we ought to be able to just figure out that if a guy puts like an X next to your name, he's probably voting for you. I just don't understand the difficulty in figuring out whether these ballots are, 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 are acceptable or not. Because, I mean, it literally does come down to something like that sometimes, right, where it's like they can't agree whether a big line next to your name indicates that they might have marked you or not.
7: It does there were about fifteen hundred ballots or so that uh they were looking at uh over the last week to ten days or so looking to see um if they had lines or markings on them. Some of them uh had picked other options there were um several hundred ballots that, like I said, weren't in the mix because all parties could not agree if they why they were rejected, and then there were about a hundred or so that uh, the Coleman campaign is saying that could have been accidentally counted twice. So there's been a lot of back and forth on this with the ballots and, and which ones are correct and if, if those were ac- actual people that had been registered and they had to go through all the absentee ballots as well as the overseas ballots.
5: I got
1: I got two more questions. One, when they get the group of – you know whatever you like in florida you saw the three people or something sitting at the table and they're looking at the ballots and like holding the chat up to the light or you know whatever is it when when people are looking at these ballots uh, to try to determine whether they are accurate or whether they can be counted or whether they're valid d- do they see who the person voted for in other words if i'm supposed to determine whether like an x is obvious enough or whether when somebody filled in like a bubble, you know, if it was done well enough to be counted, do I get to see what that vote is or do they examine the? Do they examine how the ballot was filled out without seeing the name?
7: I think it's both. I think they, because when I was speaking with the Secretary of State, he said they look at the, the contested issue first and then they look at, then they, then they see the name when they put it in the right pile.
1: All right. Uh, here's just a final note. Here's how they ought to do this. Whenever there are uh, the ballots that are sort of disputed or there's, you know, the whatever, they, they can't quite agree on whether something ought to count, those ought to be counted by somebody in a different state altogether. We ought to do, you know, it's like uh, you would hear that thing before the election about a vote swap, where like if you lived in a red state, you'd swap your vote with somebody in the blue state or whatever. There ought to be like a ballot counting swap, where if there's some sort of dispute about ballots in Kalamazoo, they get counted by somebody in Saskatchewan, I guess not Saskatchewan, but somebody in like Akron. And if there's a you know, dispute about ballots in Tallahassee, they get counted by somebody in Walla Walla, because that way well, there's no vested interest. <laughs>
7: Well, that that's a good point, and that is something that so who knows. Maybe uh, you should uh, write that down and uh, propose it. I should say though, this canvassing board—they are—they are judges. It's not just random people that from the state or, or other state officials. It, it's um, a judges and
2: the secretary of state. Well, all right then.
1: Then I will. Uh, I will then not write down the idea. <laughs> uh, on that note, happy new year to you. We will talk to you soon, Amanda.
2: Okay, sounds right,
1: thank good. Thank you. a Radio Correspondent Amanda Moyer. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hello. You know what? I going to go to your
3: job and knock the d- out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was oh, running to grab news that. stories for Chuck and uh, and I just talk, was talking to Lisa Wood and she had the same a similar scenario to me with the comedian. Oh. So, like when when her and her hus- now husband live yes. in Seattle, she's just like, so who haven't she slept? Was he a,
1: was he a person of note in Seattle? Was he on the entertainment scene in some way?
3: Um, I know he's a musician. I don't know if he was ah, a person of note. Oh, well, that's a note, but... that's
1: a yes. Well, you know what I mean. I, yeah. Was he in a position where girls would want to bonk him a lot?
3: Well, it seems to be the case. <laughs>
1: The anecdotal evidence would indicate that that's a okay. yes. That
3: points to yes.
1: Uh, that's great. Uh, let's see. Well, I have more New Year's Eve audio. Let me just do a couple of these, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Chuck Knopf will be here. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Um. Well, I'll wait on the Dick. I pulled some Dick Clark sound. I'll, I'll wait. I'm not Waiting sure whether
5: Well,
1: I, I just don't know. Is it just, I mean, do you I haven't want to, heard it. Well, I mean, it's exactly what you would... It's exactly what you would expect, and first of all... Here's something, I, I got kind of lazy because I didn't put it in my day planner and I sort of forgot about it and then I ended up not doing it this morning. There was a piece of audio that I actually didn't, there were two two pieces of audio I didn't pull. One was Alicia Keys because they were doing this, I think this was on, I think this was on Dick Clark's The New Year's Rock and Eve thing. I, it, because I'm flipping back and forth and CNN so I've kind of lost track. But I think it was on the Dick Clark thing where they were having, a, you know, they'd come back from break and it would be a celebrity, it would be like uh, you know, whoever to be like Brad Pitt saying, you know, like, like interviewing it, like Happy New Year's
5: from my family to you.
1: Totally. And like, you know, Hey, celebrity guy, what do you think about two thousand nine? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a year of great promise and potential. And, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a new dawn on the horizon or whatever. And it would just be some idiot celebrity giving their, their stupid thoughts about the upcoming year. So they come back and Alicia Keys, I I do wish that I'd pulled this piece of audio actually, So I wrote it down, the word for, I went back and watched it so I could write it down verbatim. I wish I'd brought it in. But they come back from break and they're interviewing idiot Alicia Keys. And they say, so Alicia Keys, what do you think about 2009? And she said, I'm quoting now, she says, well, you know, she's saying how she thinks it's going to be a great year. And Alicia Keys says, because, you know, there are so many changes going on in the world for the better. And Laura and I sort of looked at each other and we said, such as, and then we couldn't really come up with any. I mean, what could she, I mean...
3: Obama. See, that's the, that's the only one we can yeah.
1: think of. And she didn't even say that. And I think they must be coached. I think celebrities must be coached even now to win, especially if you're somebody like Alicia Keys, where her whole – Alicia Keys is not Kathy Griffin, in other words. We're like her. Alicia Keys, her success depends upon appealing to the widest group of people. That's widest with a D. Uh, the widest group of people possible. In other words, if you're Alicia Keys, your job is to not offend anyone. Mm -hmm. Your job is to be as bland uh, as possible. She's she's bland. That's That's the whole thing. You've got to like, you know, don't ever irritate anybody. And so that's why, you know, she she didn't, you know, say anything specific. But I mean, I I mean, she might have been talking about Obama. I guess I don't know. I mean, uh, because I think she can't. I think I don't know. I think she campaigned for him or something. And so maybe. But so many changes going on in the world for the better. And then there was just sort of this long silence afterward, as I think everybody realized that she didn't know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. The other the audio I didn't pull is of Dick Clark, and Laura and I played this back like seven times, Dick Clark saying something that sounded like he was saying, Flinton's Cup. And see, it doesn't work now because I didn't bring in the audio, but at one point, Dick, what I was hate he to... trying to say? I, well, see, that's the thing is, I don't know, and I hate to be doing the voice, but he was like, so Dick, what do you think about up there up there in the booth? Hey, what do you have to say? And he's... All well, right, let's have a Flinton's cup.
3: Okay, you've got to play cup from him. You've well, got I to. I don't. Play
1: okay, him. well this is okay. So this is Dick Clark saying this is the greatest New Year's Eve party. It's either ever or anywhere. I forget. I mean, and the irony of Dick Clark saying this is the greatest New Year's Eve party. It's just it is so off putting. Um, all right, the next sound you will hear will be that of uh, America's oldest teenager. Uh, Dick Clark. Thank you, Ron. This is why everybody's here. They know this is the greatest New Year's Eve party anywhere. I guess maybe, depending on what standard you're using, if you're grading on the most generous why? Of curves...
3: Why are they putting him on TV?
1: Because, see... That is horrible. Okay, it is. And here's the thing. That, that is
3: awful. That is just mean.
0: Yes. Thank you, Ron. This
1: is why everybody's here.
0: This is the greatest New Year's Eve party anywhere. Two
1: things. I got all these notes, but I'll just do these two and then we'll break. Two things. One, unbelievably, it looks so much worse than it sounds. See,
3: I, was gonna, I was just going to ask like, Does he look as bad as he sounds? He
1: looks worse. I mean, he sounds bad. He looks... Uh, there's just no way around this. He looks like a bat. I can't quite figure out what... He's, his nose has become strangely upturned, for one thing. Did you ever see somebody and they got, like, the pig nose? Where yeah. the nose is upturned and you can see right into the nostrils. Do you
3: have, like, bad plastic surgery? He's
1: got, I don't know. He's got, like, the weird pig nose going on. And then he's all waxen. And something has happened to his teeth. They look sort of uh, pointy, uh, as though they're. He looks like he. He looks like he's about to lunge at you and drink your blood. Do you remember that moment after the last presidential debate, and there was that shot of McCain looking like a zombie with his tongue out, where he was going like, ah! Yeah, it looked Ma- like
7: you were
1: Dick to grab Clark. Obama. Dick Clark made one of those faces, and I know there's a screen capture of it somewhere. So if you all out there, you know what I'm talking about. There, there's got to be a screen cap of this, where Dick Clark, who already looked bad looked at the camera at one point, and he didn't make this noise, but he looked at the camera, and he went like, and he sort of like, it was like a weird, like I'm going to drink your blood kind of a thing. Uh, So there's that, and then final note, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Chuck Knopf, more about, and i got more sound from New Year's. Um, When you say why is he still doing this, it's because he's richer uh, than God uh, and more powerful, and no one can tell him no. I mean, people don't realize, Dick Clark productions, people don't realize how big and powerful the Dick Clark empire is. I mean, people just think he's the host. I mean, Dick Clark is a player. I mean, he is a huge player in show business still. I mean, he own his production company uh, is massive. I mean, he's uh, he's one of the most powerful men in television. And so there's just no one to tell him no. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there is nobody with the authority to tell him like you you got to knock it off. Like, you got to step down. So. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I got more sound. Let me just leave you with the. uh
5: the... You know what? I don't go to your job and knock the d- out of your mouth. That's
1: right. It's funny because it's true. Back after this, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program coming up later on today. Cena radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York. Oh, he was there. He, he was, was doing the New Year's thing. Oh, ask him if he, uh, asked him if he said hello to Kathy Griffin. Uh, let's see, what else? Today's top five. Top five bands you haven't thought about in at least five years. This is fantastic, by the way. Geek Watch coming up today. Bushwatch. Uh, I guess we're gonna continue to do, uh, Joy of Christmas, kind of, until we're, uh, until we're done. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, I saw Twilight this weekend. Boy, that's just a load of crap. I'll say that it's better than the book. Uh, I will say that. I mean, it, here, here's the thing. The movie doesn't at least at least the movie doesn't make you. The movie doesn't make you any dumber. You know, whereas the book actively makes it you stupider. People in it, right? I mean, yeah, that's well, I suppose. Although I find that guy isn't good looking. See, man. that's the thing. Now, see, now I'm gonna turn it.
3: Everyone talks about what a well, not every, by everyone, I mean the dorky message boards I go on to, but I mean
1: I'm the at girl, a crossroads. Like, hey, it's a hottest thing ever. I really am at a crossroads here about whether to talk about Twilight because on the one hand it's a huge book. It's a big part of the culture. A lot of people, especially the fairer sex, uh, are reading it. On the other hand, you know, I would then be a guy talking about Twilight. So I don't really know whether I should talk about it or not. I'm gonna wait. Gonna put a pin in that. Twilight. Twilight. By the way, I will just make this one observation. Uh, So apparently all the Twilight sequels are going to be filmed in Canada. I guess Portland lost. I guess Oregon lost all the sequels. So, like, we were all sort of excited. Oh, the the Portland curse is broken. We're going to get a great film franchise here. So they filmed the first Twilight here. Big box office success. All the other ones going to Vancouver, B.C. Ah, So there you go. So so have fun with that. Um, That being said, having watched that movie Twilight, there's no reason why they needed to film it here in the first place. Is watching it because you know when you watch a movie filmed in Portland, you're always like looking to see the spot or the location. Apart from the actual gorge, there's nothing about that film that needed to be filmed in. Not not one thing. There's not one scene there that required being in Oregon. So I mean, really, I guess it's go to Canada. Really, all the only the only reason they have a movie here is so Tim can try to get into it, and that never works out anyway. So I mean, really, what's the point? What do you What do you come here for? All right. Uh, it is In just moments, we will uh, be joined by our good friend uh, Chuck Knopp. Let's uh, do this. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you, sir?
8: Don't talk about the Twilight. Um, Butter and a mat. Uh, Dick Clark.
1: Butter and a mat?
8: Dick Clark, uh, did you did you see the uh, where he kissed his wife at the
1: end? Yes, and for the first time ever, he looked the same age as his wife, and in fact a little older. Because typically it's like a portrait of Dorian Gray kind of a thing with him, where he's all and here's my wife who was a thousand years old, and she comes out looking like Methuselah, and, and you know Dick Clark looks all waxen and perfect. This year though, she and she must secretly she must secretly be happy about it too because. Because she just typically it was so weird. It was like watching some bizarre intergenerational porn film sometimes where she was like 80 and Dick Clark looked like he was about 20. And they'd be, you know, not making out, but like kissing, you know, kissing with, you know, with with gusto in front of the camera. And it seemed so creepy. It was like a guy making out with his grandmother. And then now, though, he it's like he's turned into a pumpkin where he just bam, old guy. And so for once, it doesn't look. That's the only silver lining to Dick Clark having a stroke is that it is no longer creepy to watch him kiss his wife.
8: It still looked like Barbie and Ken kissing though.
1: Well, because she was a very very uh, beautiful woman in her day, but I mean she's like a thousand. I mean, they, how old is Dick Clark?
4: Chucked up. I'm going to guess he is probably 79, 80 years old. See, that's
1: the thing. So I mean, you know, there
4: you go. So yes, I did see it,
1: her other uh, other did you watch the uh, did you watch any of the CNN Kathy Griffin thing? No, I did not. I
8: missed that. I was uh, playing Apples to Apples with my family. You were playing what apples to apples that's a
3: fun
5: game What is that It's a,
8: it's a game where you have uh one person has a uh subject card uh-huh. and it's like it's like dirty or happy or something like that, and everybody has a, a handful of uh things that they can relate to that card and so you have to play the person because it's one person judging mm-hmm. so if it's like dirty, you play some it, it it's a fun game try it it's a it's a good mormon game.
1: It's a good Mormon game. It's another chance for my father-in-law to make clan jokes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Hey, All right.
8: Hey, thank you and
3: goodbye.
1: Happy New Year, sir. All right. A good hey,
3: Mormon game. Before we get started, I got a strange email.
1: Is it about Dick Clark?
3: No, it's about the uh, comedian mm-hmm. and, and the ex-girlfriend. Yes. So I Comedian
1: by comedian, you mean your boyfriend.
3: Oh, I don't know after this. <laughs> um, so he just wrote me with my friend Dax. He's, told me he's just like, P.S., uh, the comedian told me two weeks ago about the potential New Year's Eve bus setup, and I told him exactly what happened. And it did funny that it's funny because when I talked to him on New Year's Eve, and I he asked him, he was
1: surprised. He said that
3: she was going to the Doug Fern. and he had absolutely no idea that she was going to be on there. Oh. No. I'm kind of mad.
1: Wow. So, wait, hold on. So, let's back up. So, Chuck. When, hello, When Chuck he Nop. told me yes, two weeks morning. ago
3: about the potential New Year's Eve bus <laughs> setup, I told him exactly what would happen, and it did. Funny that.
1: So, I... Oh, I'm livid. So, I don't know to what extent you heard any of the setup of this, but no. so, uh, Sarah is uh, is dating a man who is... Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's,
3: he's he's gone from boyfriend he's, he's to dating he's a He's a funny man.
1: He's a comedian. Yeah. Okay. So, we just call him the comedian here. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, at least as of a few minutes ago, they were boyfriend-girlfriend, but they went out on New Year's. And there was an ex of his there. Uh-huh. Sarah didn't really know it was going to be the case. You know, whatever. No, but... I,
3: I was ill-prepared. I was uh-huh. not even didn't warned that it was going to be that and,
1: and I don't think you have an issue with that. People have exes. No, just no, it's fact. fine.
3: I just you was was caught, caught off of guard. guard. Yeah.
1: Caught off guard by it. And so, you know, it's that thing of, like, if you run into the person, you run into an ex... It takes you a few minutes to kind of get your equilibrium because yeah,
4: you don't let's, know. Let's compose. Well, because you well, don't especially know.
3: Especially the... if it's the most recent ex, too, because he broke up, up with her because she moved to New York. and then. When did like, he break up with her? The, the summer.
4: Yeah. So okay. Like a, like
3: a, like a month months or so ago, before we started. A matter of months.
1: Yeah. And especially because you don't sometimes, although it sounds like you do here, but sometimes you don't know the background. Like you don't know, well, and it was wasn't, it a bad breakup, a good breakup? It
3: wasn't for a specific reason, which was the extra threatening thing about her because it wasn't that, they, uh, that anything happened. It was that she, she just, was moving away. It wasn't moved. Yeah. They,
1: they still wanted to be together. She was just moving away. Oh,
4: so there could be still some electricity there. Thanks, Chuck. Uh,
1: so, but so the whole thing is that Sarah was caught off guard by it, and and his story was like, "Baby, I didn't know she was going to be here." And you're saying now that there's evidence that he did know she was going to be there. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah.
3: When he told me two weeks ago about the potential new two weeks ago about the potential New Year's Eve bus setup, I told him exactly what would happen, and it did.
1: Well done, comedian. Oh, he blew it. <laughs> Well, you know that there's going to be a whole lot of like, well, yeah, but then she told me she was changing her plan. There's, I'm telling you, whether it's the truth or not, there's going to be... Well,
3: isn't it convenient that uh, not only he knew that she was going to like be in town two weeks ago, and but she's also at his comedy show last night?
1: That is convenient. Mm. She must have... Now, was she on the list? Did she have to buy tickets?
3: No, I don't think she was on the list.
1: But, I mean, did she have to... In other words, did she... Here's what I'm asking. She
3: better not have been on the list.
1: Was it... <laughs> <laughs> was oh, my the,
3: face is flushed. I'm yes. mad.
5: Well, let
1: me yes. Uh, well, let me ask you that But here's why I'm asking though: was the comedy show a thing that she could have just walked up and bought a ticket for? Yes. Okay. So, so there you go. So at least I was going to say because if she had to buy tickets, like if it was a thing that was sold out or whatever, you had to buy tickets online. That'd be your answer right there. Um, you know, if she had to buy tickets in advance. So, but it sounds like she could have just changed her mind. That's at the last not moment.
3: the point. The point is that he lied about the other thing.
1: Well. Maybe he thought it was that maybe she was at one point coming planning to go, but maybe Two
3: weeks ago, Rick?
1: But maybe I'm trying to I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she had been planning to go and then she changed her mind and said she was going to the dunk fur. And that's why he didn't tell you. But then
3: No, because the bar flight bus sold out like a few weeks ago.
1: Oh, so she was she no, was on the Barfly bus. Yes, okay. she was
3: on the Barfly so bus when and he was hosting the Barfly bus.
1: Okay, show. so that, I guess that, that's I guess what I meant to ask when I was talking about the tickets to the comedy show. So the Barfly bus, she couldn't have just walked up and bought a ticket to that. No. When would she have, When is the latest she could have bought tickets Jen to the Barfly bus? All the
3: buses sold out like a couple weeks before New
1: Year's. Mm. So if she was going to be on the bus and this comedy show was sort of part of that tour, right?
3: No, no, no. No, the comedy show was last night.
1: I'm so confused. And she was at that?
3: She was at that as well.
1: Ah, okay.
3: No, so so the barfly bus is a whole separate thing that was okay. on New Year's Eve. Well,
1: okay, but for the, so he was the thing he was claiming she wasn't he didn't know she was going to be at that's last night's comedy show. No,
3: that was the barfly bus.
1: I'm so confused. Let's let's back up for a second.
3: So I show up cuz he has a plus one. So I go out of my comfort zone to the comedy show. No, no, to the barfly bus on New Year's okay, Eve. Okay,
1: I'm not trying to be thick. I'm just getting the two things confused. Okay.
3: The New Year's Eve thing. This is okay. New Year's Eve. All right. So I go out on a limb. I don't go out with my friends. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm dating this new person, he has a comp for a plus one, I'm going to be awkward and uncomfortable and go to this Barfly bus that he's hosting. So then I get to the Barfly bus, see my friend Chrissy, who happens to be friends with Mary, mm-hmm. who she's his, with, and I don't, ex. And I don't realize it, so I'm oh. hanging out with them, Ooh. and he never, he never even tells me. Like I find out on my own that that's his ex. He doesn't even tell me. Oh,
1: he didn't preemptively say, "By the way, that girl over there, yes, she's the you know. girl that's
3: sitting right behind you, like directly behind you, that you're talking to." And
1: you, you sort of knew about her, like you knew that he had broken up with a girl because she'd gone to New York. Yeah. He he just didn't say, oh that girl, yeah that's her right there.
3: Yeah, no he didn't say anything. Not, oh, he only said something after I brought it up. I'm like, uh, hey so I just met Mary. When were you gonna tell me about this? Like, oh I didn't know how to handle that when I saw uh-huh. her tonight. She said she was going to the Doug Fir. Okay,
1: so this is the thing I was talking about. So the New Year's Eve, so we'll leave we'll leave last night's comedy show out of it. Yes. The New Year's Eve barfly thing. He claims that he didn't know she was going to be there. Yes. And yet though. My like, friend
3: Dax just wrote me. Sorry, Dax, dude, you just called him out. Um, that that Dax, like
1: weeks before he, he had said. Death. A
3: couple of weeks ago, when when he told me two weeks ago about the potential New Year's Eve bus setup, I told him exactly what would happen, and it
1: mm. did. And so and that so that was my question. She couldn't just walk up and get a ticket to the bar barfly no. bus. She would have had to have gotten those tickets weeks in advance.
3: Yeah, pre-planned, which means they've probably been chatting, and she knows that you know that he's going to be hosting the bus, and she she, she would have had to buy him like more than a couple weeks ago. Mm,
1: all right. Hello, Chuck. I'm sorry. This is like the third time in a row that we've had this somebody is into why the why I am
3: single. I do not like this whole relationship. Thing. Well, that one lasted about five minutes. I'm not bitter.
4: Breaking news. Breaking up.
5: Not- <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. I was trying to. I swear. I was trying to do like a. Oh, now see, you know, I've, I've turned it. I was trying to do a. Little, uh... It's just in, kind of a thing. That would have been funny if I'd found it ten seconds ago. <laughs> it All right. Funny. Attention. Isn't that funny? Like we,
3: <laughs> at the beginning of the show, we actually, you make me admit for the first time that I have a boyfriend, and now, not so much.
4: Hi, Chuck. How are you? Well, darn fine. It's nice sitting here listening to the in-house chat. Oh, well, my God. I hate my life. It's what we do. Well, I, <laughs> Sarah's perplexed. All right. Sarah's confused.
1: Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's been a bit of a day so far. <laughs> um, is it my turn? Well, Sarah, I was going to ask you, as producer, uh, do you feel like we ought to just break and come back? So, Chuck Knopf, uh, well, here's what we'll do: we'll take a break, we'll come back, we'll reset a little bit, um, and then we'll uh, we'll start the news hour. We'll do a little background, talk about how we how we know each other, and yeah. then we'll uh, we'll do some news. So, okay. all right, stay there, ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson Show returns around the corner. It is Monday, January 5th. We are back in the new year. Stay there. Already I was just It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, where relationships are strengthened. <laughs>
5: Jesus.
3: All right. all right. so I got a follow-up from Dax, the one who told me about this. The squealer? Yeah. And it says, wait a minute, and I'll look
1: As you're burning the comedian's stuff.
3: <laughs> okay, and he says, I think the point of the discussion was that he didn't want her to be on the bus at all and that he was trying to dissuade her from that. I don't know the details after that, but it seemed likely she had indicated she wasn't going to take the bus. I've known Blank for a long time. I've never known him be anything but painfully honest. Uh, he's annoying sometimes with it's a frontness mixed with bashfulness. I'm not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings. Well,
1: Jen Lane would be able to tell you when her tickets were purchased. I mean, I did I say Jen, that?
3: I actually just hung out with Jen last night.
1: I didn't mean to say that out loud. I'm just saying, theoretically speaking, Jen Lane, if you knew the girl's even first name, uh, you know, or where she was from, Jen Lane can tell you when, her, when she bought her tickets. Not that you should do that.
3: Well, because if they were, if he was trying to dissuade her a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago would have already been too late to buy the tickets, so that doesn't make any. But sense. But time
1: enough to tell you, it it's, seems like.
3: Yeah, you think?
1: Um, I didn't mean to say that either. This, by the way, this email says. And you
3: can read the emails from people. It's okay.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Because this one says, "Damn, stand-up comic was a great career cho- a career choice for that guy because he's very funny. I'm laughing out loud at him right now." Uh, let's see. The more you guys say, the funnier he is. He really is entertaining. Yeah. Well, there you go. How about this one? Um. Uh, let's see. Um, this is the, uh, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to re- read these. It's sort of coming in faster. I know than I'm I
3: getting me. so many of them.
1: Faster than I can read. Them. This one says, um, I think this is the one that says that every time you talk about the comedian, uh, this guy says, I just picture him as looking like a Dane Cook, which does not help his standing. How about this one? Maybe the comedian was hoping for a menage Dylan with the... <laughs> Was the infamous... One
3: Dylan should be enough for him. <laughs> was, the,
1: was the infamous uh, was the infamous PDX comedian groupie there as well? Yeah, was that other girl?
3: No, I was expecting her to be, though. No, but comedian <laughs> has a type, too, and, like, his ex-girlfriend that he did for a year and a half, they're all petite blonde girls. Mm. Like, they're all tiny little mm-hmm. runner, you know, girls with, like, right. pixie faces. With athletic media. figures? Oh, totally. And they're just, like, and I feel like some monster woman next to him. Like, I've never felt more manly. And, like, this little this little tiny, like... Pixie blonde girl's like, oh, I'm his ex girlfriend. I'm like, oh.
1: Yeah, with, a, with a name like Ashley. I'm huge. <laughs> <laughs> he likes girls with names like Ashley. Um, is there a possibility that Mary, uh, the girl, was using her friend's plus one ticket uh, for the Barfly bus at the last minute, decided to go? Maybe it's all some sort of wacky Threes Company type mix up.
3: But there isn't, well, you don't buy a plus one. It's just, everyone has to buy their individual tickets. I you know like, they're like 25 bucks a piece. And can
1: you just, can you, could you just give your ticket to somebody else?
3: No, you have to be, your name has to be on there.
1: All right. So she does seem like she would have had to have purchased the ticket. Uh, how about this one? Uh, let's see. Um, if she bought Barfly bus tickets, was at the New Year's Eve show, and didn't tell you about the potential of your, and he didn't tell you about the potential of your two meeting, he was totally hoping you two would hit it off while drinking, and while you were buzzed, he would drop the, so, Sarah and other girl, I see you guys are getting along. Maybe we should take the party back to I my don't, place.
3: I don't think so, though, because she seemed kind of frigid.
1: Wow. Seems like she doesn't know how to love or please a man.
3: Honestly, I'm sorry. I, just don't, I, I don't see that, like that being an idea, because I, she seemed really like...
1: Because she clearly...
3: Because one of those girls who has, like, a shot of Jäger is like,
1: Wow, I'm wasted. I'm so drunk. <laughs>
3: All right. It was funny, though. At the, like, I was... Never mind. I sound mean. I don't know. She seems...
1: What, like with your assessment person. that she doesn't know how to satisfy a man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. I'm just agreeing without having met her. All right. Ew. Uh, do you think he really... Oh. I didn't say that. I don't... But I've done a couple of those, too. I And I, see, I'm not... And I don't know. I don't... I am not necessarily one of those guys... Who thinks that every guy is always trying to, to set up a threesome? Guys won't. I mean, a guy would. Guys won't turn down like a threesome, but they wouldn't, you know.
3: Well, he wasn't excited to introduce her to me, though. Like, he was really uncomfortable.
1: Well, maybe he knew, but just wanted to avoid. Is he uh, Is he sort of. Is he passive? Does he avoid confrontation? No, he's,
3: he's socially retarded. Like, he doesn't. <laughs> honestly, like, he's just this. You know, he we went to, like, a Ivy League school, and he's, like, all super nerd smart guy. And I just don't think that he. Fully developed socially, the way
1: people are supposed to. But with you, does he avoid confrontation? <laughs> yeah, like, we don't really have you... a lot of com-
3: yeah. We get into yeah. We've gotten in, gotten into disputes because he's just like because I I told him how difficult he is. Sometimes he's like, "What are you talking about? Every person that I've ever dated says I'm the easiest person date. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You're
1: insane." Any of the dozens of women I've slept with in Portland have had <laughs> sure no problem saying. with me. But I guess what I'm saying, my question would be: In your assessment, uh, would he go to greater effort to avoid? An argument than just the effort of having the argument. So let's say, let me ask you this: If the argument yes. is going to be like a five in terms of effort, would he like expend fifteen units of energy to avoid five minutes I of argument? I think
3: that he was um, doing because he's all about math and stuff. I think he was doing the um, like the ratio of they whether or meet. not we'd meet exactly yeah. because I met what I ended up hanging out with six people out of fifty-six on the barfly bus. It just so happens that you know, Bam. one of those six people happened to be the one person that I knew who was also you know, yeah. Mary's good friend. Yeah.
1: So, well, so maybe. So he, maybe he
3: just didn't. Want maybe to, he didn't
1: want to fight about it.
3: Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to just because there was a chance that I wasn't going to meet her at all. But then again, she go. kept Playing, coming up and talking to me. The law
1: right? of averages. The law. Of, you know, the, why create a problem where one doesn't exist or might not exist? And then of course you end up sitting next to her, of and course. then it's all. Then uh, it's all awkward. So maybe he was just trying to avoid an argument because she didn't live here, right? She lives in New York.
3: No, she lives in New York. But, so, um, if but you good he gotten... she made time in her busy schedule for the past week to, you know, go and see him, like, you know, stake him out, like, not once but twice.
1: Well, maybe – so, I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe he was thinking, like, if you didn't meet her that night, she was going to vanish back to the East Coast. and like, whew, disaster averted without having to fight about it. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the law of – I don't Africa... care. I'm
3: still pissed because regardless, regardless he uh, – He told me when she was there that he had no idea.
1: Baby, I I, I didn't know.
3: Yeah, he had no idea when obviously it it was something that had been, you know, that he had spoken to his friend about that he was concerned about. Like, he should be speaking to me about his concerns, not to one of his other friends that has nothing to do with us.
1: So and I'm just I'm back on the business that Sorry, she must Chuck. have bought the tickets two no, weeks in advance fun. too. Hello, Chuck. How are you? I'm good. It's, a, it's
3: not a, much has changed in six years.
1: Chuck. <laughs> it's good to see that we've all matured.
5: All right.
1: Well, we should take We should take <laughs> this opportunity to welcome to the Rick and show officially, Chuck Knopp. Hello, sir.
4: Good morning or good afternoon. Now, thank you for allowing me to come in here and listen and to be your... and, and be ignored for <laughs> half an hour while we, we talk about on Sarah's day? boyfriend. I think um, it's, no, I think no, ex, we're not saying that. Sarah's, uh, right Ma- Sarah's uh, the guy. There, yeah, he's
3: boy? just
4: the comedian right now. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, So he's lost a little he's stature. He's lost his standing. No, you know
3: what? It's so funny because at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, he was on an upwards row. You got me to admit that he has my boyfriend. Now I just
1: can't even say that word. He's way. been... Yeah.
4: Al Jones Industrials are down. Exactly. He's been delisted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's been decertified. Okay. Um. So, all right. So uh, 10 years ago, yeah. uh, God, over 10 years ago. Oh, it sweet was. Jesus, I'm old. So it was more than a decade ago that I came to Portland. Wow. Um, So, more than 10 years ago, Chuck Knopf, uh, I started this show next door at the Fisher Broadcasting building next door, which looks like a giant cheese grater. It does. And there was, at that point, there was Comcast, us, Um, and Blue Cross, Blue Shield.
4: One of those health coverage. But there was that fourth floor that we were told we were never allowed to go to. Yeah, I don't know what they did there.
1: Which is weird, because that's in Radio Waves by Jim Ladd, too. He talks about this mysterious floor you can't go to, or this company that's across the hall. But when I first got a job next door at uh, KOTK, uh, one of the first things Ron Carter, the general manager, told me, he's like... And uh, you don't – just don't ever go up to the fourth floor. And I said, really? What's on the fourth floor? And I, you just want to stay away from there. And it, true enough, you get in the elevator, and it was like first floor, you know, whatever, Comcast, and then us, and then uh, Blue Cross or whatever. And then the fourth was just unlabeled, like a blank button, and you were told never, ever to go there. And I still don't know what's up there. But um, but we were working at KOTK and, uh, under the tutelage of uh, Bruce Agler, yeah. and then – uh, you were at KWJJ at the time, which is where yes. our then sister station. Yes, and then, um, and then we got bought and moved over to Intercom. But I'm trying to think if you were still with KWJJ at that point. No, were you there? So you weren't there when we I got was, bought by Entercom.
4: I was there, but the move was done uh, sometime early 2004, and I left at the end of 2003. Okay, so I wasn't right. part of that. So you were. There? I
3: miss your your Epic battles with Mike Chase in the morning. <laughs> oh boy!
1: Those I were. wasn't. See, I'm so glad you're in this mood because I wasn't going to say that either. Oh
3: no, seriously. Like I just remember hearing Mike Chase hollering at you down the hallway. I'm like, this is what radio is like. This kind of sucks.
1: Well, it's a. It was a building of um, passionate personalities. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> strong, strong personalities. Let's put it that way. Yes. Um. And I. And, and it just lest anybody think that we're being mean, I uh, I should say that I used to be that way as well. I'm not anymore. Much less so, anyway. Uh, when I was doing, you know, this, this awful show that I did from downtown for, for a year and a half or so. And, uh, you know, and, and I would, and I would just totally scream at people. I would yell and just have these huge, like massive fights with people. And just cause I don't know, just cause I was, I just, it, for me, in my case, it was just cause I was just being, I don't know, I was just being a retard, but I mean, um, so you were there after the purchase, but before the move, you left. Yes. Um, and so you, and then you were uh, you were at K-Pam at one point, and yes. I guess they just quit calling you, just quit answering your calls. Hello, it's me, Chuck Knopf. I can. Say, hello.
3: How long were you at K-PAM?
4: Oh, uh, off and on for like eighteen months, maybe. Okay.
1: And so yeah. is that a thing where they just are they like a guy? Did they they didn't break up? They just no, turned they, down the fader to like right.
4: Goodbye. Gone. <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> like <goodbye>. zero. Yeah. <laughs> We don't hear him anymore, so he must not exist. Uh, so, are you yeah. uh, now? I mean, the, today notwithstanding, are you out of radio? What is your What is your deal? I am now in graduate school, getting my master's degree in counseling, and I'm doing an internship. Uh, so really, Sarah's just practice. like free practice for you. Today. Oh yeah, I mean, really. Just, that's let's be honest. Her problems are not that big. Well, nice. all right, we'll
1: they feel that. We'll
3: tomorrow and see.
1: Chuck's almost a professional, and he said so. Um
3: what do you think what do you think I should do Chuck
1: Now well, what kind of let me just back up for a second before you answer that when you say you're training to be studying to be a counselor right now what kind of counselor uh, like, like marriage counselor marriage. or job Anybody arbitration
4: or self doubt
1: All right so any any where there's conflict and crisis
4: yeah, when you don't feel like you're doing what you're supposed to do and you've got this little burr under your saddle and you don't know what that is but Mm -hmm. it's bothering you and and you don't know and so now
1: will this be for just individuals or will you do like like group or couples counseling or
4: i could do all of those all
1: right so uh in your quasi-professional assessment uh
4: what would you say to sarah right now if she were a patient chuck knopp well i would i would wonder about uh him telling you prior that this there is a possibility that my ex girlfriend will be on the bus mm-hmm. I just and my went... most
3: recent ex-girlfriend too it isn't someone from like years ago it's right. so someone from months right. ago
4: i would i would say that to you so that you were aware and see the idea of relationship the idea of the other person's feelings have to be as important as your own not more important or less important but as important as your own so that you're treating them fairly
3: See, and that's how i feel too like i always try to be like so nice to him and kind and everything, and I just feel like he's kind of a robot sometimes and just doesn't have like normal human emotions,
1: so you're picking up on something, yeah, yeah. the best part about this whole thing, Chuck, is that you've got those like psychiatrist spectacles,
3: No, and he has a very soothing voice.
1: you have a very fatherly tone, thank
5: you, and well, I mean he has a daughter a... my age,
1: oh really is that okay, so you've got the you've got the paternal kind of tone down, yeah, but I understand you Chuck has these like the the small like the rectangular uh I don't even know how you describe it, but the small rectangular lenses They're pushed down, push down, so you can Mindless. you can look over the yeah, over the top of your glasses, uh, which is which is great, which is a thing I've started doing because Richard Belzer did it on uh, on Homicide. <laughs> if you watch Homicide: Life on the Street, Belzer would occasionally he punctuate a sentence by kind of going and like jerking yeah. his head sort of down and like looking up and up, so I started doing that. Um, so effective. All right. Well, uh, so there you go. Well, who wants to do some news?
4: I think it's me. I think it's my turn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's now begin
1: this, the news hour.
0: And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown
4: Portland, this is the news.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, filling in for laid off Portland media professional Tim Riley, laid off Portland media professional Chuck (laughs) Knox.
4: Thank you, thank you. President elect Barack Obama describes the economy as bad. And getting worse. That is mean? that his professional recession? It's bad. That's his. That's his take on on the scrambled eggs we've got going that they call an economy.
1: I mean, I guess I can't really fault him for just boiling it down to. I was just saying the other day that they give us way too much detail. Like when they they, they had some story the other day, but it's the worst recession since 1905, which is like, what are you supposed to do with that information when they tell you that it's the worst? I mean, it, it does, like at a certain point, it does It's bad, and describing it as like a certain degree of bad. It's like when you got burns on your body. Like, once you hit 50%, it doesn't matter how much of my body is covered in burns. I'm F. Like, it doesn't matter. So. Yeah,
4: I, it's it's like it's 100 degrees out, and you're saying, well, it could be 101, but yeah, who cares? It's seriously. still hot. Seriously.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. It's edging, it's edging towards 1, <laughs> 104. You don't understand. And you're like, it doesn't matter. It, it sucks. So he's just saying, so hey, what was his description? Bad?
4: Well, he's been on, yeah, he's been on Capitol Hill meeting with the House and Senate leaders to talk about a stimulus plan of which uh, we're going to... Give away seven hundred billion. You yeah. know yeah, that's a, that's another point that's, of you know, contention. It's good we got lots of money just laying around that we can be given to
1: people. Exactly. So, exactly. Right. Now this is because I don't really understand these things all that much. So this is the, so we got like five different things. So there's a seven hundred billion that we. That was the first
4: bailout thing, right? The first, right.
1: Now, has that, have we given all that away? Is it gone?
4: No, there's $350 billion sitting there, but part of that is going to be given to GM and to uh, Chrysler. So of the $700 billion, there's $350 billion still to be given. Yes.
1: But this auto bailout is part of that.
4: Yes. That's what they want. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. And now they're talking about more. And, and I saw right. a headline yesterday about uh, it could top a trillion.
1: Who did I just see the other day that wants a bailout? Uh, It was yesterday, two days ago. It wasn't the auto companies. It was, um, and it wasn't the airlines. It was, um, oh damn, I can't remember now. But it was like some other industry that was unable to manage. Steel industry. Steel industry. That's what it was. Who don't watch Susie Orman and don't know how to manage their money? Exactly. So don't put something away for a rainy day, Chuck. Okay, um, I won't. No, I'm, I'm just saying, whatever you do, don't bother. Don't Whatever you do, don't ever follow the rule to have some savings put aside because the government will step
4: to your rate. All right,
1: well, that's good. Good good that we're made out of money. Fantastic. Here's uh, Chuck Knopf, ladies and gentlemen.
4: And again, about relationships, uh, Nina Pickett launches a website to help her find a husband within a year. One year, she says. Pickett's friends and family will also check out prospective matches. I don't want the men to think we're going to come and criticize you because... That's not what it's about. Now, who's Nina Pickett? Is she just some citizen? She's a, she's a lady. An area f- woman? 52-year-old woman from, and I'm trying to, to scan this quickly, I don't know. I, I bet else, it's from no. a fat state. Uh, she's
3: didn't... not an unattractive lady, though. No, really? She's,
4: she's African-American. She's attractive, in my view. Um, and she says, so what happens if it doesn't happen? She doesn't get her soulmate in the calendar Wait, the, year so she's just
1: looking for a husband? And so yeah. She's launched... Can I see the, uh, the photo? This is You stories. check it. <clears throat> Hello.
4: She doesn't look fifty-two.
1: No, she could, she wait. Will. She's not fifty-two. Where are you getting that? No, no. This is fifty-two weeks. Fifty-two weeks. Okay, I said this woman is not did fifty-two.
4: I, did I say fifty-two?
1: Uh, well, maybe, maybe I just heard that. This is a uh, this is an attractive woman. I'm a fan
4: of hers. Um, I think I think she will. What if the to say? Uh,
1: well? And they don't give the website here, which is frustrating. So uh, her name is Nina. That's N E E N A H N E E N A H pick Pickett P-I-C-K-E-T-T. Uh, so she's launched a website to find uh, to find a husband. All right. Well, I can't imagine she has trouble finding guys to date
4: her. I would think not.
1: I would. Mean, she's an uh, she's an attractive woman. I'm. Uh, yes, I am. It, she is aesthetically pleasing. So I don't know. Maybe she's just difficult to be around. I mean, really. I mean, if you got to set up your own. Look, don't they have? Because there's other like Match.com and Dating.com or whatever. If Match.com, which has like nine billion horny guys on there, if you can't find, like, if you are actually having to set up, it's interesting now that I think about it, <laughs> because there is Match.com, which is it's like, I don't know how many, but I would say probably many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people on there. Um, I know some people who use Match.com. If a website that actually has millions of people can't find you, somebody willing to date you, if you actually have to set up a website where you are the sole product being offered, maybe that doesn't
4: speak well of the product. You know what I mean? I would think there would be some, you want to do a test drive. Maybe. uh, That's a thing where maybe you, uh,
1: you know, uh, maybe people are getting too easily distracted by some of the other products in the store. Could be. All right. Well, there you go. Could be.
4: A waitress was barred from working at the Hooters restaurant in Davenport, Iowa after a violent physical attack left her bruised and unable to meet company standards for maintaining a glamorous appearance. That's an awkward story. Yes, it is. is. This a domestic... Uh, well, the waitress alleges she was uh, fired after taking some time off to recover from an assault. The assault I just mentioned. Hooters officials say the waitress abandoned her job, but they also say the woman's bruised body may... The woman's temper- bruised body.
1: <laughs> uh, pardon me, I like... Uh, do you have a waitress with uh, that's bruised?
4: Her bruises made her ineligible to work at Hooters. That was the... Uh,
1: well... Okay.
4: There are any number of jokes I would make that probably
1: would not be appropriate at this point. I'm... I don't really know where to. I, I'm I'm with you. Does it say how she was uh, in an assault? Does she say? Does it say what kind of assault it was? Like as a mugging or like maybe a well, fight so, with somebody? Or... Uh, yeah,
4: according to uh, testimony in court, uh, several incidents of domestic violence befell her in the year 2008. Latest of which occurred September 3rd after she left work. You know,
1: here's the thing. Uh, it the, the, the really here's a headline and a story, at a line that should never be written about anybody. The phrase, several instances of domestic violence should never be written about anybody. Because when you get to the point of several... I, I, you, unless you are uh, five years old or being locked in an Austrian dungeon, <laughs> if you ever get to the point where there are several instances of domestic violence, uh, at a certain point, you got to just uh, pack your Samsonite and get out. You know what I mean? Sounds. And I'm not trying to be flip about it, but she had a job. Sounds like she would make a little bit of money. So... This is, you know what it is? I'll get this is my prediction. This is more of that like, uh, but he's got a good side that exactly. nobody else
4: sees. Yes, and I just love no, him no, no. for that. Ike is a good man, yes. and when nobody else is
1: around, Ike treats me really well. That's totally what that is. So She's getting tattooed and not from a parlor. Bring me some of that Hooters money.
5: <laughs> Jesus.
1: And by the way, I can't believe it. Ah, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to say this. Here's the only comment I'm going to make about this woman who was fired by Hooters because, quote, her bruised body did not fit their glamorous image. Uh, I think the last time I went to Storm, uh largest website, uh, the sort of marquee photograph that she was using of herself was in fact Storm with smeared lipstick and a big black eye. So maybe you're just not working at the right restaurant or in the right city. It seems like there might be a market for that at some point. All right. Uh, here's uh, Chuck Knopf at the news.
4: Speaking of markets, Ford Motor Company is finding it more difficult to sell cars than ever. 32% drop in sales last month to compare with the same month. 32%?
1: Yeah,
4: that's like one. Is that third... year to year? Yeah, that's year to year, yes. Yeah. And the company uh, said that it's had, it's had its worst sales year since 1992, which I don't know what that means. It just means... That there's more population now because we're over three hundred right. million and and in ninety two we we're probably two fifty I wonder uh, if that's
1: yeah i mean that's that's got to be like a like a, a fiscal year thing, so I wonder if that's dollars or cars sold or cars sold per capita you know up like,
4: in sales sales that is cars sold thirty two percent yes, and that is one of the problems. Wow. That we're having in this economy because it, it's driven by auto sales. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's you know, and car. I mean, especially in America. I mean, you know, America is like car central. I mean, we are American guys are the biggest car consumers on earth. Oh, yeah. So I mean, the fact you can't sell cars to American men, there's something going really. There's something going really wrong. I wonder how that compares to the drops for other car companies. In other words, because there has been a lot of this discussion about well, maybe they're just not making cars that people want to buy. Maybe they're still making these big behemoth gas counselors and everybody's sort of like no 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 I want a smaller you know I want a smaller car but it, but even for next more I got a I drive a Ford I drive a Focus I mean I drive a small fuel efficient Ford uh, which is because it was a, at a reasonable price I sound so lame it was at a re- <laughs> <laughs> it was a car, it was at a reasonable price and it gets very good gas mileage and I was able to get a great terms on the financing well Sonny, we would like to talk I, to you totally that's it <laughs> I have no there's no excitement to me at all um boy 32% yeah because sometimes okay, – let me ask you this. Isn't it sometimes tempting to – how do I put this? Everybody knows that the the, the recession is real and the – I mean, as – you know, I mean, it, not to be awkward about it. But it not be, look, I mean, look, obviously, you know, we've talked about Tim launching his podcast today. Uh, CBS, like a lot of other companies, you know, did, did a lot of – you know, a lot of reductions and, and positions eliminated and people who are not here anymore and, and whatever. So I'm not trying to say that it's like a theoretical recession. It's not. I mean, it's absolutely real. But, but that notwithstanding – don't you sometimes suspect, though, that Americans just can't break the buying habit and they're just continuing to buy crap they can't afford regardless? Like yeah. that was – Laura was sort of get wondering about that the other day. She's like, well, you know, I know people are afraid of losing their jobs and the economy sucks and that everybody's getting laid off. But she's like, you know, don't you think that Americans just can't break the credit card habit and they're probably still – even now, even as they're, like, drowning, they're getting themselves further into to debt. And I thought that, that might be true too, but maybe not. If car sales are down 32% – it's just staggering. I can't even get my brain around that.
4: That's huge. That's, Jesus. That says that this thing's broken. That's
1: like the big canary in the coal mine right there, it the is. cars. Exactly. I mean,
4: the canary's not chirping anymore. Oh no,
1: the canary is uh, the canary is half-lifing <laughs> away into... Hey, by the way, can I tell you this? Here's a little slice of Southeast Portland. Speaking of dead birds, <laughs> and it's not a figurative dead bird. I don't think I've told this story before. Uh, I know it's the news hour, but I'll try to keep it, you know, whatever. So the way that our house is set up, there's a, there's a room in our house that looks out onto a lower level of the house. And we only have a single story. Well, we have a basement. But, I mean, you know, just one story above ground. And so it's one story, but the house is sort of at different levels. And there's, you know, we're kind of on a little hill. And um, anyway. so because it's a duplex. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) Not a duplex. So the – but there's this room in our house where if you look out the window, you can see down onto another part of the house's roof. And it's through a window that can't be opened. So you can look out the window, but you can't open the window. And it looks on the part of the roof that you can't get to. And I don't know how this happened. I guess God was just trying to give us some decoration. Right outside the window, like eight inches out the window, there's a blue jay that just died of something at some point and just landed right outside the window. And the thing is, you can't get to it because the window doesn't open. And also, it's far enough in from the edge of the roof that like, there was no way to get up there with like a broom and like scrape, scrape it off onto the ground. So every time we go into this room in our house, if you look out the window, I largely started lowering the blinds. Because every time you walk into this room in our house and look out the window, there's a dead blue jay sitting there. And it's kind of fascinating in a way. I thought about putting up a webcam and streaming it online <laughs> as sort of a, you know, as sort of a, the life cycle of a blue jay. Because over the last three months, the blue, the blue jay is just sort of like, uh, you know, eventually it's just going to be like little blue jay bones there. I mean, it's just because it, it landed there, and then now it's slowly just sort of uh, disintegrating away into nothingness. It's kind of fascinating to watch, actually.
4: So. I'm wondering if a cat... Got it.
1: Maybe, but I mean, the cat didn't take it, though, because they, it was intact. It was dead, but intact. And then, and I'm thinking it might have been poisoned somehow, because otherwise, an animal I think would have eaten it. But instead, the Blue Jay just sits there, and so nature is slowly just turning it into dust outside the window. It's just, it's all, it's kind of creepy and fascinating to watch. I feel like I'm in the Munster's house or something. All right, here's uh, Chuck Knopf on, on uh, KCMD Portland.
4: A list released by the Advertising Standards Bureau found the hotly debated Kotex U Tampon ad. Showing a woman doing... Now, wait.
1: Let's back up for a
4: second before we, we move don't on We Do not want to do this? Well, I'm just going to say, do we figure out where this ad is from?
1: I don't know. Does it say? Does it what? say this is an American ad? Sarah asked me earlier if we wanted to discuss this story. And I think that we may want to put that in the later pile. I... Australia. Yeah, see, that's probably the tip off there. I think we should put that in the to-be-considered pile before we move <laughs> on. That's my fault. I... I was unclear, but the idea that it's from Australia, that indicates to me that we should not
4: talk about it. Okay. okay. Let's move on from that. All right. How? I think
1: I might regret that.
4: How about um, North Korean leaders we haven't seen for a while, File? Yes.
1: I'll take that for a thousand,
4: Chuck. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Kim Jong-il has made his first public appearance in 2009. You know, he had been missing. They had not seen him. In fact, there was a picture released, when was it, September, October, of, of him standing in front of, uh, you know, with all of the generals of right. that uh, that uh, government and he was standing in the front row, but the but the uh, shadows from the sun did not match the rest of the uh, of those in that group photo. Almost so. like Lee Harvey Oswald, exactly. where the
1: shadows are going one way and everything, he's yeah. going the other way. Yeah.
4: So we don't know if that actually was him uh, showed up. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, but you see, I mean, here's a dumb question. I mean, this is where I sound like an ugly American because I don't know how anything works. If you're a dictator, which he is, right? I mean, that's
4: that's a dictatorship. I mean, that's definitely he's the last Stalinist.
1: I mean, do they have here's another before we get to my main question, Chuck not because you're a man who knows things. Do they have like an uh, like a, uh, a theoretical, an official name for their kind of government? In other words, we are a we're a republic, you know, and other places are a parliamentary democracy. Like is North Korea like? Do they even pretend that they have an actual
4: system of government? Yeah, they do. They have they have a uh, a legislature, but they're not elected. But it's and a they, puppet, and they always vote yes. Right. And it's the People's Republic of North Korea. Okay. So So it it tells you it's a republic form of government, but they're not representing anybody. But he's, but it's anybody. a he's de, just, de facto dictator. De- yeah, de- it's 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 a sham, and you know the, that country is basically black and white.
1: I uh the. Uh, we had a, a friend of ours uh, who worked at the worked next to us, a couple for a while, a guy named Smokey. And he talked about, I, it was either him or somebody he knew who'd gone to North Korea for whatever reason. I think maybe it's part of a news thing. And they told the greatest story about every time you would ask a North Korean what the weather was going to be like, their answer was always the same. The answer, no matter what the weather actually was or was going to be, a North Korean always gave you the same response, which was, our glorious leader has made sure that today's weather will be wonderful. Like that was the th- – they gave you that – like no matter who you – it was like they would all gotten the same memo. Our glorious leader has ensured that today's weather will be wonderful. Six months later, our glorious leader has ensured that today's weather will be wonderful. So there's that – my final question though is – this may sound like a silly uh, a silly thing to ask. You're saying that Kim Jong-il hasn't been seen for a long time. But if you're a dictator, like what do you really have to go to work for? That's the point. I mean if you get a real government, even one like ours, it's sort of broken – you kind of got to at least go to the office and try to pretend that you're doing work. You know, you got to go and Barney Frank has to yell about stuff. And then Nancy Pelosi has to be, you know, has to look strident. And then, you know, like Trent Lott has to do something or other. and Whatever. I mean, you got to go and you got to like at least push crap around on the table and pretend you're, you're running the country. With Kim Jong-il, though, that's like a set it and forget it kind of a
4: thing. Well, I think what they do in the, in that particular culture is because it's so confined and so rigid that if there's any thought of the leader, being fallible that he could die or something could happen, that could lead dissidents to thinking, now's the time. A coup. Now's the time to act, folks. So he just, uh, so whenever he's feeling under the weather, he just vanishes
1: into his. Because he's got that whole vault where it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of porn films they've talked about. It's like a whole vault of porn and whiskey. Yeah, no, which is you know, I mean, who can disagree? He's who, living the highlight. Which of us would you know? Who of us would behave differently? All right, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, Chuck Knopf is here doing the news uh, for your dining and dancing pleasure. Uh, what else we got? Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castan. I'm going to join us later. We'll do the top five as well. Uh, top five bands you haven't thought about for at least five years. Stay there and see the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, yeah. the rick emerson radio program it's 503-733-2970 hey by the way for twilight fans in the house you know the movie doesn't really hold up logically when you look at it uh there's this whole business of i can't believe i'm about to have this discussion but if you read the book and or see and by the way i'm about 50 pages from the end of the book and i'm just and then i'm going to try to wipe the whole thing out of my brain (laughs) so i'm trying to finish it just because it's pop culture it's it seems to be a book that everybody's sort of sure. talking about it's you know it is it, it's, it's what the young people are reading and whatever and so you know my wife read it in a day which says something you know uh, as i've told story, but i got up and she was on the couch reading it and i came home from work hours later and she was you know i walk in the house and i'm like hi honey she's like Shh, i'm almost done and you know she read the book in a day she has she finished all four books in jesus i mean like two weeks or something just something insane and they're huge. They're like 700 pages. And, I mean, she just like, you know, just sucked them down like a sorbet. Um, but I, w- I will say this, by the way, that those Twilight books are kind of like eating uh, maybe at certain fast food uh, locations late at night where it sort of turns on you about halfway through. But you've got to finish it because, like, you get you paid for it. So by the time she got to the third Twilight book, she was like, oh, God, this is not very good. And by the time she was reading the fourth Twilight book, She was actually just stopping every now and again to go, God, this is crap. This is terrible. And this is how bad, in my wife's assessment, this is how bad the fourth Twilight book, which I believe is called Breaking Dawn, this is how bad that fourth book is. She stopped reading the fourth Twilight book for a while to read Peyton Place. (laughs) That's it. That's the benchmark. Peyton Place was like a step up in terms of class. Um Anyway, so I saw the movie, which is terrible, and I'm, I'm, you know, but which is better than the book, which, again, just actively sort of makes you dumb. I'm finishing the book now. I had to bring it in, because, Sarah, you're probably never going to read Twilight. I mean, nope.
5: I've never I mean, because, you know,
1: every woman in this building has read it, so I'm glad you sort of resisted. And take it from me. Here's the thing actually, here's the thing about Twilight. I might recommend that you read the first one just because, you know what it is? Just you, for the pop culture you, well, and that and plus it because it's just it's just awful. And I think you might what is a movie that you and I could you and I could agree on right here. That is great because it's just flat out ridiculous. I mean I would Showgirl. say showgirls, yeah. but it is like that. I mean it's just I hate to say this it is lol funny, not in the way she intended. I mean it's it's meant as like a straight ahead gothic romance between star-crossed lovers. I mean it's meant to be serious and tragic and sort of sexy and a kind of ...Mormon denuded kind of way, like, you know, in a eunuch kind of way, in a neutered sort of sense. Um, but it's just awful. It's just awful. It's so bad. I should bring it in and read some passages from it on the air. In fact, I think I have it upstairs. Yes. There's like a one... Mo- I mean, this is not even the worst one that I can think of. But more than once, she actually does refer to... I swear to Christ, more than once, the character Bella refers to the the, the boy vampire Edward... Who at one point she describes as looking like a Greek god. Um, she refers to his quote, smoldering butterscotch eyes.
5: Are you kidding <laughs> no, me? No, which is which is retarded.
1: Who has smoldering butterscotch eyes? <laughs> I mean, unless you're a gingerbread man, thank you. Um, <laughs> but he, here's the thing. But here's the thing about Edward the smoldering Vampire. Smoldering butterscotch <laughs> eyes. It's just. See what I mean? It's just stupid. I mean, it's just. And look, she's like a jillionaire and whatever, and that's fine. God, God bless her. It's a top racket, and she's a success, and all that, whatever. So I don't begrudge her, her success much, but but it's just so badly written. It's like The Da Vinci Code was the same way to me. I'm reading it, and I'm just sort of like, it was just a slog through sauerkraut. I mean, do you was ever just judge so...
3: people who really like The Da Vinci yes.
1: Code? Yes. Yes, I do. I hope Chuck Knopf is one of those people. Thank you. Do you like The Da Vinci Code quite a lot?
3: Mm. Is it one of your top ten favorite books of all time? No.
1: All right. Do you do you love it? No. All right. Yeah, good, because I think less of you. I No, people <laughs> who are really, really into The Da Vinci Code, I kind of just go, God, you're dumb. Um, but anyway so yeah so he's like you know this teen vampire and he's really like 117 years old or whatever but he's he's this like perfect golden teen vampire guy and um what was my point um wait hold on hold on oh but so he's got a couple traits one is that his eye color which is sometimes butterscotch his eye color changes depending on his mood so when Mine changes
3: depending on my mood really i have hazel eyes yeah and they'll be brown sometimes and then if i'm um like, really tired or if, uh I don't know, or, or like something, I don't know. Or
1: angry at a man?
3: Angry, yeah. My eyes will turn, like, green.
1: Wait, so, okay, well, hold on. Hold on,
4: <laughs> no.
3: No, they change shades, especially, like, with the colors that I wear, too. Like, if I'm wearing something dark, my eyes look brown, but if I wear something green,
1: my eyes are green. So, what, let's stop. What is the default color, would you say, for your eyes? Well, they're hazel. I don't know. Um, Chuck, what, is ha- what color is hazel?
4: Looking Hazel's high. a light brownish
1: uh, color. It's light brown? Yeah. Like a brownish, greenish. Okay, so it's like a light brown. But if you are what, they turn brown?
3: Um, if I wear dark colors or oh, they,
1: they, like it brings out the brown yeah. or something. And then, and then what you said there was something else. But sometimes
3: when I'm like, uh, yeah, and I'm really tired or like overly caffeinated or anything, uh, they'll turn like green. That's weird. It is weird.
1: I've never known anybody whose eyes change color.
3: I think it's just also, you know, just has to do with, yeah, with the colors.
1: Interesting. You know, That's that. So there, so your eyes are maybe just the right shade between colors that depending on what you're wearing, it brings those out. Exactly. That's fascinating. All right, but his I, eyes.
3: So what are they like? Blue to brown. To
1: oh, wait, so like yeah. So if he's so if he's whatever, if he's like feeling like in love or whatever, they turn butterscotch or something. And if he's but if he's angry, they turn black, of course. And you know, at one point, it, like his eyes are solid black. And but here's the stupid thing about it. I mean, I know we're talking about a vampire, but I mean, even if you just assume, in other words, I'm pretty good at reading a book or watching a movie. And even if you're talking about something that we all know isn't true, like vampires or whatever, ghosts or Superman or something. Like, as long as they play by their own rules of the world... In other words, if you accept that there's a world where there's vampires, that's fine. But it's like, you got to... You got to... Within that world, like, you got to have some internal logic to it. So, the deal is is that, like, him and his family, who are all vampires, they they live in this town, but after, like, ten years, they always have to move because they don't get any older and people notice it. So, nobody knows that they're vampires. And he's eternally 17, so he's going to Forks High School. He's in Forks, Washington. So, he's going to high school... And again, nobody knows they're vampires. Like, it's a thing they work very hard to keep secret. And yet, he's this guy whose eyes occasionally just turn jet black, you know. And then they turn back to brown, and then they'll be solid. And I don't mean, like, they, turn, like they tint. I mean, like, his eyes will just be, like, these huge black buttons when he gets angry. And I was saying to Laura, I'm like, you know, wouldn't he just wear, like, colored contact lenses? I mean, if you're a vampire, and you're trying not to let anybody know that, and the big tell is that your eyes turn black, wear sunglasses, maybe, or something. But no. No, he's So occasionally there's these retarded scenes where he's just sitting in class, like, you know, surrounded by other uh, curious youths, and he's just got these huge black-like button eyes, and, like, no one is noticing or saying anything about it. It just makes no sense. It's just absurd. So anyway, so I'm, like, 50 pages from the end, and it really has to rank as one of the worst things. It makes flowers in the attic look like flowers for Algernon. It is it is so unbelievably bad. Anyway, so we're gonna have Dan from Powells on at some point to talk about great like classic trash, classic trash books, because Twilight is that. So anyway, I'm gonna bring it. You ought to read it. Um, because I have a cause mailman Chris lent me his copy, mm-hmm. and Philo tore the front cover off. So I bought him a new copy. So this one's, I guess, is just mine to keep or whatever. So I'm gonna I'll give it to you when I'm done with it. It's uh, you ought to read it because you will you will find it hilarious. Okay, and then you can read it and you can um. You can read it, and having found it hilarious, then you can judge Sarah Wagner, who read, like, the whole series and loved them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I love Sarah Wagner. Well,
1: look, my wife read the whole series, and she's one of the smartest people I know. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, boy, but as big as that book is here, Twilight, you go to, to Utah because Stephanie Meyer's a Mormon.
3: Oh, because it's the, it's all, like, the sexless vampires. It's right? Totally,
1: because they're very, they wait until they're married. That's, like, <clears throat> the fourth book. Before, and they don't even describe, when they have sex, it's like that, the next morning. You know, like, there's no actual sexing. And also do they
3: talk about sex? Th-
1: but they don't ever just—they don't ever use the S yes word, Sarah. There's at one point Bella is talking to Edward. God, I sound gay. You really? But are. she's talking. She's like, so with his
3: smoldering butterscotch eyes
1: <laughs> and his Greek god body. Uh, at one point she's like, so when vampires get married, do they act like normal married men and women? Like that's how she asks it. Like they won't talk about like the sex. Um... But but you know Mormons there's you know there's so much of Mormon popular culture is self-generated. In other words, when you live in you know in any heavily Mormon community, but especially in a place like Provo, um, you know you, they, the Mormons Mormons have their own. Um, they're kind of like Scientologists. They have their own movie studios, their own book publishing companies, their own record labels. And so you, you you could live your whole life there, and all the movies you see, all the music you listen to, it all comes from the church. And uh, so. Y- but it's very insular, very inward-looking. So, But the Mormon community really loves it whenever something from one of their own achieves mainstream crossover mm. success, like, you know, like Mitt Romney. Exactly. But this is like yeah. the Mitt Romney of the publishing world, where it's like, you know, like because she went to BYU, Stephanie Meyer, so it's like hometown girl makes good. So everywhere you go in Provo, there's like some fat freaking housewife with a Twilight shirt on and like a scrunchy ponytail. So, I mean, it's just bad. All right, uh, Chuck Knopp joining us today uh, for the late off. Tim Riley, hello, Chuck Knopp. How are you?
4: I am excellent. I love being here with you guys because stop, stop, you, stop. you are actually doing radio. This is well, radio because it's real. Well, you know,
1: we were talking about it during a break. I said, for good or bad, I guess it's good for us. It's it's so easy to sound different at this point because it's just, everything is just sort of crap,
0: mm-hmm.
3: so,
1: homogenized. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's safety. good to
3: hear you back on the air. It Thank is, you, Chuck.
1: You and your Thank golden you. tone, your golden butterscotch tones. Chuck, we
3: were talking about you last week.
1: Can oh, I bring you were. Up something uncomfortable? No. Go ahead.
3: I can't bring up. Oh, can. Go ahead. We were talking about the
4: orange juice thing. Do you remember when Here you spilled you orange juice, orange the juice into
1: the board at KWJJ? Yes, I do.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Mike Everhart remembers it too. Well, I know he was mad. Yes, yes he, was, he was, was real mad. So yeah. what, is,
3: what did Mike Chase used to yell at you about in the mornings?
4: Now, see, I'm, by the way,
1: this is you asking this question. This is me
3: asking. No, no, no. And I'm friends with Mike. I just want
1: I to know. am recusing myself from this conversation. I so don't want to know the answer to it. No, no, no. It's not that. I here's the thing, and I don't have any problem. So this is like the judge ruling before you allowing you to answer. I, for the record, do not wish to. Uh, I I do not wish to look as though I am instigating this. Instigating. This this discussion oh. uh, about those and those arguments. I, I don't have I'm just saying whatever. And he might not even want to answer. Either. I'm saying I want it to be I am not the one who is sort of prodding on that.
4: That is I will Sarah. Take that the, I will take the high road here and and not discuss it because it's it's in the past and I've it is in the past. pretty well accommodated all that and you know I you think, are going
1: to be a good therapist, Chuck.
4: I, well, Mike Chase is one of the great talents of, of radio. He really is. Yeah, it is I must true. say you know that. getting around that. You know, and I also, I mean, it's called forgiveness. I don't know if people are into As that. Don Henley would say. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Mike's like a, studying to be a shrink now, too, isn't he? That is
4: true, I believe. I believe he is uh, studying psychology.
1: Maybe you can open a psychology. practice together
3: since the hatchet is buried. <laughs> Butting That's heads, a great
1: idea, butting head
4: therapy. Yeah, uh,
1: but I would, but here, but I would say that, um, uh, and again, and I, and I don't mean this in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. As you said, uh, you know, Mike's one of the, really one of the funniest people I've ever known. Mm-hmm.
5: He is, one right? of
1: the greatest broadcasters, and I wouldn't even call him a DJ or whatever. He's no. so much beyond. He is a broadcaster, uh, very much like he has a lot of Letterman to him. There's he a does. lot of David Letterman quality to Mike Chase. Mike really is one of the funniest guys I know, and oh, one of the best broadcasters good. I've ever heard. Strong personality, yes. you could say, yeah. and. Uh, Strong... He was my first crush in Portland. Really? Does he know that? Hello, he Mike. Now. Well, I know he's. Listening. I
3: thought he was dreamy when I first moved here. Like, you know. He is kind of dreamy. He's very dreamy. Yeah, I'm a little, you know, intern not knowing what I'm doing, like a professional radio guy. And he was single then. He was single. But...
1: Well, ships passing no, the just, night.
3: I know. It's just a lowly intern. He uh,
1: he has that kind of. See, you know, I always say that. Well, look, I'll just I'll just embrace this. Here's the thing: is that um, there was this uh, <laughs> there was this un- misunderstanding. Between, uh, between Mike Chase and I a while back, about a month and a half ago, which I never mentioned on the air, because so it's a small deal. But Mike called, because he calls the show sometimes, he's a listener. And, uh, and so he, Mike had called the show. And I should give, by way as a preface, I have always said that he looked like Christian Bale. But not just Christian Bale, he specifically to me looks like Christian Bale in, there's no getting around it. He looks to me like Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman in the movie American Psycho. I have always thought that. He's a very clean man. He is. He's very, You know, but he has that kind of, you know, just the same general, you know, mm-hmm. the same general appearance or physique or whatever. So I've always kind of joked that he looks like Patrick Bateman to me. Mm-hmm. So Mike Chase calls the show about six weeks ago to talk about whatever. And he, he, you know, we're like, thanks for calling, whatever. And he says goodbye. And I say goodbye. We hang up the phone. And, uh, pardon me. We hang up the phone. And I made some what in my head seemed like a logical joke. I said, whether well, he is off the chop up cheerleaders or something. <laughs> and he emailed me later. like, so... Someone told me you were referring to me chopping up cheerleaders. So, uh, are we cool? Is everything fine? And and I'm mean, I'm like, oh, you know, OMG! Like I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that, that. It was a joke about you looking like Christian Bale in American Psycho. No disrespect intended or whatever. So, um, how do we get all of this? Anyway, so that was if I sounded a little like when you were when Sarah was like, so tell me about fighting with Mike Chase. I was like, ah. Oh. Oh God, he's gonna think that I'm trying to like pick some sort of scab off something or other.
3: Oh no, I was just curious. I mean, it's not my place to ask, but I figured, you know, what better time than now? No, well,
1: you know, I'm with you. So, um and it's
4: my place to say no
1: comment. But he's he but, is he's an, an attractive man. Um, and really one of the just one of the best broadcasters I've ever heard in my life. He's hilarious. But uh, you know, but like a lot of people, again, has a certain idea about how things ought to be done and how things mm-hmm. uh, should be delivered. And uh you know, sometimes that leads to. uh so no. discussions of whatever yes. intensity that might happen anyone and who has uh, like
3: a clear vision of what they want to do sometimes might hit some
1: that's what i'm saying that's exactly them. what i'm saying so all right well in any event uh did i get to is there other stuff from new year's
3: didn't you have a lot of audio that you said you're
5: gonna play
1: oh wait uh but, but back just one final twilight thing so it just seems like he would wear sunglasses especially because his dad's a doctor edward makes no sense and you're right that guy that plays edward in twilight is not good looking He's no. a weird-looking guy.
3: Weird, and you know what? Have you noticed that weird is the new hot? Like Rihanna?
1: Is that what well, That's true. She's weird-looking, too. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. You have to have three of them for it to really be true. So there's Edward, that guy who plays Edward. There's Rihanna. There's got to be a third one. A third weird is the new hot. Weird is the new hot. Oh, there's got to be a third person who's like that, though, who makes that true. We'll think of it. Okay. But, you know, here's the, my final thought about Twilight, and then I really will shut up about it, is that A... Two, two small thoughts. One, it's all worth it for that South Park episode about Twilight, which is like the best thing I've ever seen. And two, I was thinking about this. It's got to be a weird kind of ego trip for that kid who plays Edward because – and again, you'll understand this when you read the book, which I now have to give you and you now have to read it. It's not like know, a rule. I know, Because in the book, it's like she cannot – Stephanie Meyer cannot go more than a paragraph without like – you can all but hear her pant – as she's writing about Edward, who's like with his chiseled Adonis face and his flowing mane of golden, luxuriant mm-hmm. hair, and like she describes him at several points as just flat out being perfect. Like that's the word she uses. She's like, there's a word. There's a blog online where they count the number of they they rank her adjectives by use. Oh, awesome. And like awesome. beautiful is used like a seven hundred times or something. Agree? And smoldering is used many times and perfect and flawless. So it's got to be weird to be that guy. Where you're reading this book, where it's like he is a flawless man, God who walks among us, and like, uh, you know, they're like, we want you to play him, and you know, that's got to be good for your ego. But but you're right, he's not good looking. He's a strange looking man. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, here's Chuck Knopf at the uh, news desk. Well, more news right now. Uh, fellow passengers pronounced, or I should say, rather than pronounced, pounced. Actually, there there is a. The difference there. A Toronto man who tried to pry open a door on a Sky Service airline flight yesterday over the Dominican Republic. He wanted to open the door. He says, I got to get out. Five or six passengers tried to immobilize this guy, it says uh, Sky Service uh, representative. Uh, the plane was a 757, you know, one of those big Boeings. Yeah. Unscheduled landing it made. Um, they took his belt, they tried, tied his feet and hands. Passengers jumped up after the disruptive man threw a flight attendant to the floor. This so, is like the second story we've had like this yeah, recently, where a, a guy gets up and he's like, I gotta get out of here, and he starts opening. The, but as we were talking
1: about how the the way the plane is set up, you actually have to pull the door in before you can right. push it outward, and the pressure keeps you. But it was just sort of a scary fact because that indicates that they had to create that at some point because some guy kept trying to pull it. Like it indicates that it was a problem. The guy has kept opening the doors in mid-flight, so it's just yeah, it's all kinds of bad. Do you ever think about that when you're on plane? Do you ever look around and you just look, you're like, who here is crazy? Mm-hmm. you know who here is probably going to go bonkers you can't tell no you can't uh, despite their attempts to pro did you see that profiling story that no. happened over the weekend there was a family of um i i forget but a family of some middle eastern descent uh i, I believe they you know they, they they were the kind that you know they were uh they were, a, they, were a, they, they were a family that i do believe to the casual observer might have appeared to be you know from some troublesome country um Anyway, so they, but of course they're not. They're just like, you know, some American family, just happens to be of whatever whatever ethnicity. And they get on a plane, and the dad, who it turns out is like an engineer or something, the dad was talking to the daughter, and the dad, they were talking about like where the safest seat on the plane is. They're like, so where do you think the safest seat on the plane is? Which is a conversation we've all had. The answer is, of course, in the tail section. But up to some passenger, some namby ass white woman. Uh, hears them talking about where the safest seat is, and she runs and screams to the TSA, who come and yank them off the plane and like interrogate them in a room for an hour before finally going, uh, uh, we're sorry, we're retards, you know, without without like an apology or whatever. So, I mean, keeping you safe is what they're doing. Uh, let's take one moment here before we continue. Let's uh, talk to our good friend, CNN radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Hello, sir.
9: Hey, how you doing? Happy... And the funny thing about that story is the airline uh, refused to rebook them on another flight. Are you flight. kidding me? Yeah, they they stood by their uh their security measures they
1: said. So what is the I'm getting this I, I didn't have the story in front of me and I, I didn't want to sort of get what was the what were the details? Where was because the, they were American, they were an American family, but what were what were they what was their you know, what was their their, their ethnicity?
9: They they um I think they might have been from India but were Muslim. I am trying to recall this now, but uh the the women uh were dressed traditionally, so their uh, heads were covered uh and um yeah, you're right. They had, supposedly had this conversation about where's the safest right. uh, place to sit on the plane, and um, what airline was it? Now? I don't know. But then,
1: it's, so immediately, it some came. you know, like some uh, some nitwit woman who goes and sh- shrieks to the pilot about it. And then, yeah, then they just come and yank the family up, and they put them in a small room, and they're shining a light on them, Jack Bauer style. And then, as you said, the guy was the dad was all up in arms that they hadn't apologized. Uh, but now you're saying they didn't even they didn't even make the flight good.
9: The airline would uh, would not rebook them onto another flight with uh, with them. They stood by their decision to remove them from the plane. You yeah. know,
1: that's right. Can I tell you, I've been on a plane one time and they ran out of Purell and they were offering us all free uh, free tickets. That's just <laughs> retarded. <laughs> this country is just, this country is so ridiculous. And can I tell you, just as a brief side note about travel security, yeah. um, my wife has learned to embrace several things about me uh, that other people would find irritating. And she now doesn't find them charming, but she'll at least tolerate them. One of them is that... Um, I have developed just this white-hot loathing of the TSA people. I mean, to a degree that, like, I now have had to institute a rule on the show where I don't complain about airline security because it just takes over the whole show. Because they're just, it's like minimum wage with a gun, and they're just they're just such such jackasses. But Aaron Duran, who was a good friend of ours and a film critic, uh, and a, a sort of a uh, an arbiter of geek culture here in Portland, if you're familiar with the movie Die Hard, there is this sequence in the movie Die Hard where John McClane ambushes one of the terrorists... Steals his gun, and then in the terrorist's own blood, writes on the terrorist's sweatshirt, now I have a machine gun, ho, 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 and he puts him in the elevator and sends him down. Elevator opens, Alan Rickman looks in, there's the terrorist with the sweatshirt, I now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Aaron, knowing as he does how to squeeze every dollar out of the geek culture, sells a replica of that sweatshirt. And it's a a gray sweatshirt, and in this red handwritten font, it says, Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, boy. And my wife, here's why my wife is great she tolerated me. We flew on Christmas Day to Provo, which is a place I want to go to. And so on Christmas Day, Did I I wore that sweatshirt <laughs> oh, to the airport, hoping that they would have you an issue with terrible.
3: it. Terrible! How does she put up with you?
1: Because uh, she's a good woman. Because she's a good woman. Because she's paying off uh, penance or something. So, um, <laughs> but uh, sins from you know from the past life. So, but I wore that T-shirt through airport security. I so said, now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! And you know what? For the it was very disappointing. They didn't even bat an eye. They ah. let me through. They let me through. And by the way, can I tell you this? This is absolutely true. You know what? I was in case I had already prepared for them to tell me to take the shirt off. Like, sir, take off the machine gun sweatshirt. So underneath the machine gun shirt, you know, what I was wearing under, under that as, as my second layer of clothing. I was wearing a shirt from my hometown high school. They are, and everybody who hears this thinks I'm joking until they look at the logo. My hometown high school, they are the Richland Bombers. And the logo is just a huge mushroom cloud. Because because they were the high school near that, near the Hanford nuclear facility where they made the Manhattan Project bomb. So the logo is quite literally, it's a huge mushroom cloud. And so I was just desperately hoping that they would ask me to take <laughs> off the diehard sweatshirt so that I could have a shirt underneath that said bombers in huge letters.
5: But
9: didn't really,
1: didn't really work. So. Right.
9: You, you were going, uh, you wanted to get the, the full scale in- interrogation at the airport. I didn't, didn't
1: want to go to Provo. That's what I wanted. I wanted to not have to go to Provo. I didn't care if it took a rectal search in the other room. I didn't want to go to Provo. That's strong. But you know what? I think my wife must have talked to them in advance and like, like, look, he's just screwing around. He's a jackass. Please let him on the plane. He has to go see my in-laws. So I got to go, you know, spend four days in Glorious, Utah. Oh, nice. Anyway, so on that note. Um, hey, so a couple things to talk about. One, unpleasant. One, extremely so. Um, well, let's start with the – I don't even know where. We were talking about how for Ford – Year-to-year auto sales for Ford, down 32%. 32% right now. Um, and so I don't even know where we are with the market. I just have, I have no idea. Um, right so, now, we, the market we, so where are we at? I mean, where are we at with Wall Street as of sort of today?
9: Well, today is the, the start of the new year for those guys down on Wall Street right now, essentially. Because, you know, the last trading day on Friday was a really light trading day because, you know, post-New Year's Eve, uh, celebration, New Year's Day, celebration. You know, not a lot of guys are working. So today is the first – real full day uh of, of heavy trading of a normal uh trading you know load so uh with that in mind it's not too bad it's down 81 points so you know in relative terms it's, it's strange what really
1: we bad. accept is good now you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. you know it's only down 81 points that's like we're breaking out the bubbly to celebrate that yeah so, um hey you're not talking about this just as a side note you're not talking about this recall of bacon bits are you
9: no, no, I, I'm, I didn't know there was a recall of Bacon Bits. I've been actually focused on uh, activity at the United Nations related to
1: Gaza. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. yes, and I, and I don't mean to sound the flip. We'll talk about that in a moment just because I got the prep sheet out of order, and it says here, recall of Bacon Bits. And so I was going to try to end on some sort of a light note. But um, so just, I mean, just, you know, I, I guess I'll just kind of ask the status. I Boy, you know winning the presidency is just like winning a bag full of just weevils at this point i mean it's just a bag full of just winning a bag full of hissing snakes because it's the economy and it's this blagojevich thing and it's just like i mean he's a uh, richardson has already had to bow out and there's just all of this like weirdness going on and so now there's you know there's all this all this violence in the middle east so um so i don't even know i don't even know where we are or what's happening or what's 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 gonna happen what is what is the latest on all this gaza violence
9: Well, you're aware that uh, the Israelis uh, started a ground uh, offensive uh, a couple of days ago into Gaza, right? Yeah. And uh, the the death toll in Gaza is mounting. It's in the hundreds. Uh, The United Nations officials on the ground believe at least 25 percent of the casualties are civilians. But rockets still continue to be fired out of Gaza into southern Israel. Uh, They have decreased in number, but they're still being fired. Uh, And, folks, the United Nations are calling for an immediate ceasefire on both sides. Uh, They're calling uh, more heavily uh, to criticize Israel, though, for a disproportionate response to the rocket attacks. And that's what's been holding things up in the Security Council. The the U.S. has been blocking moves to condemn Israel because they consider this uh, part of – well, our government considers this part of the fight against terrorism.
1: You know, I would say, and this is speaking strictly for myself, this is my own editorial observation that I, Rick Emerson, am making solely on behalf of me – I have to say that uh, really one of the things one of the things I like about Israel is their totally disproportionate response to things because that does seem to be the only way that people will learn to leave you alone. Uh, you know, it's like we'll I have these stories occasionally about you know some guy wakes up and there's a, there's an intruder in his living room at two in the morning, and so rather than you know rather than shooting to wound you just you know you just the guy gets a 12 gauge right in the face and that's really the only way you can deal with some guy who's decided to break into your house and you know threaten you and your family or just be rooting around in your possessions i mean people don't the the idea that you're gonna like not at all shoot him in the ankle that doesn't work so you know if some guy you wake up and some guy's rummaging around your wife's panty drawer uh that's a guy who gets a knife right between the seventh and sixth ribs in my opinion so Mm. i so uh, that is just my observation about you know you you just got to do that or otherwise people just don't get the don't get the you know they just don't get the lesson but um
9: it's it's such a complex issue because you know uh the the layers are uh, involved here are so multifaceted and they go back in history for for decades and it's it's you know it's just anything but a cut and dry issue and it's really difficult to uh, uh, to to see your way to a solution to the problems in Gaza
1: right now. Well, does it seem to you? I mean, and I were trying to boil this down here and make it simpler than it really is, but it seems to you like one of the hugest problems there is just that like there is. There, a there, there is no one with the sort of uh, political or moral or whatever authority just to sit everybody down in a room like your mom used to do and be like, okay, this is stopping now. Like there's no one, there's no one who has the authority or the power or the whatever that the chits as they say to get everybody in a room and just say this is ending. And additionally, there's even if that were to happen, it doesn't seem like there's anybody who's there's never going to be any sort of actual. No one is going to be really ever held to account in any real ongoing way for this stuff. We seem to have accepted that it just flares up every now and again. And then there's death and violence and whatever and vitriol and empty promises and then more broken promises. And then it's like a rinse, wash, repeat kind of a thing.
9: Didn't that used to be uh, Jesse Jackson's role in society? He'd go to these places <laughs> and sit everybody down.
1: That's, ex- that's exactly it. That's really what we need right now is more Jesse Jackson. That'll make everything better. So, I mean, you know, it just it just seems like that there's nobody... Who can just go in there and just say, like, look, it is a timeout, and I swear to God, you're all going to the woodshed if this doesn't end immediately. So, I mean, I hate to sound so, I hate to sound so nihilistic about it, but it's like it just, you know, it just, it's just one of those things that there's nobody is nobody is willing or able to just set the reset button on it and just start it over and just get everybody to just, just, to just, just leave each other alone for the love of God, no pun intended. And
9: then here in the uh, at the United Nations, you have uh, officials from the Palestinian Authority. Uh, uh, sitting down and talking with members of the Arab League trying to draft a new resolution for the Security Council. And uh, the interesting thing about that is, you know, essentially the Palestinian, Palestinian Authority really doesn't speak for Hamas. So even if they come to some sort of uh, agreement that all sides – Will sign on to. There's no guarantee that Hamas will recognize. No, it, they, uh, you know.
1: You know, and look, at I mean, Hamas, who, as I understand, I could be incorrect about this, but I do not believe that I am. Hamas, who I do believe has it as part of their charter that Israel ought to be destroyed. You know what? It, yeah. You know and As soon as, you, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's where the and that's where you you sort of when people say, well, we have, we disapprove of this disproportionate response. You know. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, if some guy's in my living room telling me that his, his internal charter calls for my destruction, uh, that guy gets what's coming to him uh, repeatedly, uh, if, if necessary. That's just my take on it. Um, did you uh, – we'll end this on, a, on an up. Did you uh, have a good uh, New Year's? You were there uh, – were there, oh, Were yeah. you there in Times Square next to Kathy Griffin?
9: Uh, oh, my God. It was freezing in Times Square this year. You know, with, with each passing year, uh, especially if the weather conditions are not conducive to doing uh, an outdoor live broadcast, I, I, I have a growing disdain for the people that come to Times Square because if they didn't come, I wouldn't have to be there. That's,
1: you know, that they are the reason that you are out there freezing your ass off. It's their fault. <laughs>
9: Basically, yeah. I
1: did it once. I did it once, one time, and, and I've told the story before. But you know, we didn't have to stay out all night. We we were staying at the hotel right at the Crown Plaza, so they were very. You know, we they were able to usher us down right beforehand, and then we went right back up to the room. So, uh, but I cannot believe just the people who are just there. Just the idiots every year. I've been standing here for 12 hours. It's my ninth year. I mean, I just don't understand what goes on in your head that you want to do that.
9: Well, this is the 11th time I was down in Times Square, and this was by far the coldest one I've ever experienced. Mm. So, uh, you know, I look at the people standing there, who some who have been there since 5 p.m., you know and they've, they you know they essentially wait out there for 7 hours and you know after the first 2 or 3 years of covering it it sort of just became routine and lost its magic
1: really like how many how many times can you stand there and watch a thing that is high in the uh, you know in, in the sky become lower in the sky and then a, <laughs> and then a light goes off you know i mean that's really it right look there's a thing that's 100 feet off the ground now it's 50 feet off the ground. Huzzah. And then, and, then, and then you wait nine hours to take a subway home. I mean, it's not like time. It would be one thing. Here's the thing. Here's how you can make this exciting.
5: Uh-huh.
1: It's like doing it in Times Square is almost pointless anyway, because Times Square at any given time is bright and loud and flashy and lights and sirens and things moving around and things going beep, beep, beep and whatever, and there's a billion people there. Like the idea that for 15 seconds it's going to be somewhat louder and brighter is just not much of a selling point. If they really want to make it a big deal, they ought to do it in, like, Wichita. You know, or just some place that never had, you know, someplace that doesn't even have electricity. You know, someplace where they can't even use chairs. Just have it done there. Then at least it would be different from the norm. I mean, no, let's go to Times Square. There's going to be a lot of people there, and there's going to be a lot of lights. Really? Count me in.
9: You know, what's really funny is when you went down into the subways in the Times Square area, uh, did you see I Am Legend? Yes. You know when he would, uh, you know the scene where he comes upon a hive and the zombies are all sleeping, standing, yes. huddled next to each other, really close and whatnot. Yeah. That's what it looked like in the subway stations. Everybody just standing there shivering. You know, the, and sta- you know, they were trying to get out of the wind and yeah. people were just standing down in the subway stations. Yeah, it was really, it was really, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a unique uh, year for me in uh, Times
1: Square. All yeah. right, my friend. Well, as always, a pleasure. Uh, you on tomorrow, sir. Yes, I am. All right. We'll talk to you then. Have a good one, sir. So go. long. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Chuck Knopf. Yes. Good morning, good All afternoon, right. or good day. Uh, so, Sarah <laughs> is yelling me that I gotta take a break, which I do. So, we'll come back. We'll do more news, because you sound fantastic, sir.
4: Thank you. I feel fantastic. You know I, do so... I feel me? <laughs> no,
5: that's a bad Maybe after sorry. we go to break, Chuck. <laughs> sorry.
1: All right. I see now where the arguments with Mike Chase came from. No, Chuck, I'm not gonna feel you. Chuck, get out of the studio. Chuck, stop it. All right. And we're back after this. this is the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. It's
5: that short your...
1: I do I should admit that I do like it.
3: I think you've talked about that before.
1: I'm not ashamed. Uh why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Still to come today's top five. Uh top five bands slash artists you haven't thought about in at least five years. Oh, by the way, Mula. Uh Sarah, I thought of you this weekend. I was on the Miss Space.
3: On the space.
1: Well, because I couldn't. It's resolved now, so I'm not going to get bogged down in a bunch of anger about it. But uh, but uh, but you know, I uh, when I do when I update my blog uh, on my on my website, um, I update my blogger with uh, my blog with blogger. Blogger. I barely knew her. First, first one in 2009. So, but blogger was blogger.com was down for like 10 days, and even worse, they refused to acknowledge it. Like they no one they they would never acknowledge, which they were owned by Google, so you sort of expect better. And I knew I wasn't imagining it. Because you went to the blogger help forums and it was like hundreds of messages of people complaining, all of whom had exactly the same problem I was having. They're like, I'm getting this weird error message. And they would write it out. Blogger at one point around December 25th posted a thing like, hey, yeah, we had that problem. It's fixed now. And it wasn't fixed. It went on until the day before yesterday. So there was about 10 days where no one in a series, it was like a whole swath of domains. Some of them worked some of them did, but there was a whole, there was like tens of thousands of people who couldn't update their blog. It was just frozen, you couldn't do it. And it was very, very, very frustrating. So and it looked like I was just slacking, like I wasn't doing anything. And I had all my Christmas stuff up still. It just looked terrible. Um so finally I just I I posted a thing on MySpace and I was like, hey, by the way, I'm still here, I just can't use my blog or whatever. It's a long way to get to this point. So I was on MySpace and you know, I got a message from somebody like, Hey, best show ever, whatever. And I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know who that person is. And so I click on their profile. And, you know, Sarah and I have talked about – do you have a MySpace page, Chuck? No, I do
4: not. I guess I'm lagging. Facebook? No. You will. You'll have a Facebook page soon. I'm predicting it. All right. That's possible. I...
3: You should. That's where you can reconnect with old friends. Like We have a lot of people from like Fisher
1: Communications. Who are oh, really? You and Mike can share Facebook. constant updates with each other. Hey, well, what's – Anyway, uh, so <laughs> – Anyway, so I didn't recognize the woman's name, so I click on the, the uh, and of course, like every dumb guy, if somebody sends me a MySpace message, and if it's from a woman, I'm much more likely to click on the profile to see who it is. Uh-huh. Like if it's a guy, like, yeah, hey, your show rocks. I love zombies. I'm like, all right, great. Thanks for listening. You know, but if it's like some woman who's like, hey, you know, your show's okay. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a girl. I better look. So I click on it, and Sarah and I have talked about the mood settings, because on your profile you can put what mood you're in. Uh-huh. You know, Sarah's mood is peeved. You know, or uh,
3: annoyed,
1: annoyed, lied to, betrayed, plotting, Um, vengeful. So I swear to God, though, I went to a woman's MySpace profile this weekend. How disconcerting is this? Mood, sore. (laughs) I swear to God, I wish I had taken like a screen capture to post. I didn't. And I closed it. and I don't even remember who it was now. But I wish so desperately that I had taken a screen capture of it to put as like a little picture of my mood, sore. I mean, it's all very weird. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again at the news desk, Chuck Knob. And now, from the CBS Radio
0: Center in downtown Portland, this is the news.
4: Hello, Chuck Knob. And it is a good afternoon to you, Rick Emerson. I hear about an 88-year-old woman, took matters in her own hands. This comes from Gresham, Oregon. When a man broke into her house last week, an early morning break-in, the elderly woman... 88.
1: And is, is this, I, I think we had something about this, but it wasn't there.
4: All the, the details weren't the, known. The
1: junk. She grabbed him right in the store? Is that the,
4: uh... <laughs> yes, on South, the store was located at Southeast 287th. <laughs> the, is... You're not supposed to make me laugh. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, well, it's part Are of it. Are you
3: a... not allowed joy, Chuck? No, now?
4: I'm just... You're not allowed to live life. <laughs> no, How can just... you laugh? You're allowed, to... you're not a robot, Chuck. <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. <laughs> I don't understand.
1: Well, I can't, I don't, you
4: grabbed him in the store to me that is a great line. Was it
1: this didn't take place in an actual
4: store. Did no. It? Okay, no no no, they
1: Yeah. the store that's I actually ripped that off from Mystery Science Theater. There was um there's a Mystery Science Theater episode.
4: I used to watch that all the time. Where there's a guy
1: Here's the weird thing about quoting Mystery Science Theater, Chris yeah, Paddock and I were talking about this. The thing about Mystery Science Theater is that show had so many episodes, and every episode had, like, dozens and dozens of great lines. Yes. So you can actually reference a catchphrase from Mystery Science Theater, but even if somebody else was a big fan, they may not know it because, you know, there were so many episodes. But there was there was some movie where a guy gets kicked right in the junk, and, like, a foot right to the groin, and Tom Servo says, ooh, right in the store. And for some reason, describing that section of the male anatomy as the store was the funniest thing ever to me. So that's kind of how I do it. That's my preferred term for uh, scrotum.
4: I like it. It just it depicts the entire. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's kept. Okay. Um, The man not saying a word forced her face down into a chair. He the woman reached behind and grabbed the man's store. Store. Fred Meyer. I'm not Albertsons. In her words, I grabbed his cojones and gave him a good squeeze. (laughs) Actually, good for her. That would be the last thing you'd be thinking. We
1: really, I mean, and she's what, 88? Yes. I think it's David Walker noted, that makes her almost 90. I mean, 80. really, you're owned by a 90-year-old woman. Yes. Well done, <laughs> jackass. But that's what, I'm, this is what I was saying earlier about a guy in your living with, you know, the story is just like Israel, uh, Chuck. This is what I was saying earlier about the disproportionate response. A guy's in your house, you don't pussyfoot around. No. You just go right, you go right to maim. You know, you set phasers <laughs> to
4: ouch. And... That's what I'm saying. And yeah. he left. Excellent. Immediately. No, right. Good for her. We salute you. Was that, was that here? Yes, it was in Gresham. All right. Well, and, you know,
1: uh, it's probably too late to get her on because probably every like morning show on
4: Earth is starting
3: to do name. it. I so. Think she to remain
5: really?
4: There. Oh, I, I've got to say the guy's name. <laughs> I dare not say it, but I will. Go ahead. I hope we. It's, this is man's. The man, what's his name? The, the man's. The man. Mm-hmm. The perpetrator. The mm-hmm. perp. Michael Dick. There you go. Oh, well Dick. done.
1: That's fantastic. <laughs> All right.
4: Well, now a morning show has definitely talked about it. Yeah. Again. All right. Uh, let's get one call
1: here, and then we'll resume the news. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show on uh, this, the uh, first show of 2009.
8: Hello. Well, dang. It's going to be my last show, Rick. I, I want to say goodbye to you and Sarah. And uh, Is this because uh, yeah, of a store
1: but, joke but, I just made?
8: No, <laughs> because I'm, I'm on my way up the Siskiyou Pass right now. Heading out of Oregon, going back to California and I want you to know that you guys I miss you already. Uh, now husband, oh,
1: able, well, well thank you. well we miss you too. now what is it? Now where did you you lived in Portland and how long have you been here, sir?
8: About nine years.
1: Alright, so I've why been,
8: I've been listening to your show since it was in syndication through the uh i uh been to a few listener shows, listener parties and dang uh, you know, I've been a truck driver and uh, locally and I am gonna miss you you guys have kept me alive and kept me entertained for so long that I'm almost in the verge of tears right now because I can't hear you, and I couldn't hear you this morning when I left.
1: But if I sure. if I somehow brought a puppy into the conversation, could I actually make you cry?
8: Oh, uh, i got it. I have, uh, I have three cats sitting next oh. to me.
5: Well, well. You have three cats <laughs> next
8: to <laughs> you? That's so cute. Yeah. Are they in a cage? Yeah, oh, yeah. There's three of them in cages. And They're they, in a
5: bag.
1: <laughs>
4: the bag just waiting for a
1: bridge.
5: A one's going
1: um, to drive. The,
5: uh, the, uh, so uh, all, now,
1: what is it? Where, where are you moving to in California, sir? A uh, little town called Auburn. Okay, and is this is this for work for a job or? No, it's because I uh,
8: I now as of uh, the election night uh, I own a house down there now. Oh,
1: all right then. Well, uh, so I'm okay. an,
8: I became an orphan on on Obama's uh, ascendance to the presidency. Uh, Sort of speak. Oh, I see.
1: Okay, so know. this is okay. So it's a family situation. You've inherited a house or,
5: or something. I inherited like that. Okay. a house, right. and
8: uh, you know, what can I say? You know, we both quit our good jobs and uh, decided to go back home where the rent's cheap. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have the Rick Emerson show. in it.
1: Well, but uh, fortunately you do have the uh, you do have the Intertron, sir, and so you will. uh and li-
8: we will listen to it. And I want you to know, Rick, you're in my will. Really? Yes.
1: Are you just Thank leaving you me much. sort of scorn no. and taunting? Are you leaving no. in three cats? No. Thanks. I, uh, I could only uh, be so lucky.
8: I'm uh, going to give you. I'm going to make sure that you get my uh, John Wayne Gacy business card.
1: <gasps> wait, hold on. Now, wait a minute. Now, when you say John Wayne Gacy, you uh, called or emailed about this emailed some time ago.
8: Where I could send, where I could sell it, but uh, I got to be, I got to be honest with you that you're the only person in the world who would appreciate it more than I do. Do you
1: have something terminal by chance? I mean, I hope not. I'm just <laughs> well, saying. I'm
8: driving, I'm driving a 25 foot van with a 12 foot trailer behind it. Man,
1: I've never driven anything well, big. Maybe you should car. stop and have uh, have some whiskey or something. Stop and get a couple of belts before you continue. It makes <laughs> oh, the drive go no. a lot faster. <laughs> I'll, I'll by, make sure it's in
5: my will, and my wife will make sure that you get
1: it. Well, let's now just real quickly so we can uh, – uh, please to describe for people now this John Wayne Gacy business card that you're talking about.
8: It's just a business card. It says painting, decorating, and maintenance. And you this guys, is the,
1: from when John Wayne Gacy, the, this, the serial killer, this he was a contractor.
8: He was a contractor, painting, de- PDM. Inc. Uh, the address I think was 61, ooh, 6126 Summerdale Drive in Plainville, Illinois. It says John Wayne Gacy right on it. Uh, it had a small smudge of brown, which I can't even guess what that is. My cousin was one of the nine cops who dug the bodies out of his house
1: and snagged a business card uh, because uh-huh. he kind of. You know...
8: Oh, they they snagged more than a few business cards. Excellent. They even started a softball team called the Body Snatchers. Uh-huh.
1: That's fantastic. See, so, yeah. and I'm glad that you and I are on the same level, sir. That we, uh, you know, there are certain people, my wife, who don't, uh, they don't appreciate, uh, you know, my uh, my serial killer enthusiasm. But I'm glad that you and I are on the same yeah. level. Yeah.
8: Good luck if you're interested in stuff.
1: Oh, I'm, we're kind of losing your losing your phone here. You there? Oh, damn, we lost him. All right, Richie. No, we we lost him. We lost that guy. So, uh, Richie, if he calls back, we let him know that he. We lost his we lost his call there. So all right, yeah, no, we got he's out of range. All right, well, um, well, uh, you probably can't listen, but if you listen to the podcast, uh, travel safe and thank you for listening. When you're hearing it, don't forget uh, you can be listening to us uh, live or uh, or you know Memorex anywhere in the world. You can listen live at nine seventy dot a m nine seventy dot a m. The
5: podcasters.
1: And speaking of podcast, don't forget Tim Riley's podcast launches today. The Tim Riley inaugural podcast will be five days this is a week this afternoon. I said I think I think it's to this morning. I it, I don't know I came to work and I haven't had a chance to check it but I think um it's one every day. I think it's you know Monday through Friday Tim will be doing a new podcast every single day. You can find out more at Riley Live. It's at Richie says it's already. Up. Uh so it's at riley RileyLive.com. riley Tim Riley's podcast launches uh, launches today, man. Never uh, never far from our thoughts. All right, there you go. Chuck Knopf, What is what else is going on in the world of
4: news? Uh Minnesota State Canvassing Board. These are the election officials. They have certified to recount Al Franken has been declared a winner with 225 votes uh that's his lead right now so it is but so they've but is this
1: like they banged the gavel and it's official
4: well Franken will not be certified as the winner for at least seven days uh campaign of incumbent Senator Norm Coleman they're upset they're gonna they're gonna take this to court oh I hope it just
1: drags on it's just
4: gonna go forever because I think he's got a 225 lead and I think yesterday or the day before he had a two fifteen vote lead, and the question is, no more votes were counted. So there's, there's. So is there a bit like a big box of ballots somewhere that haven't been counted? I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Me and the How
1: difficult can it be just to get a big box of ballots and just count them? I mean, I don't. I never understand why it's so difficult. I know there's thousands and thousands of well, ballots, has, but I mean,
4: it has to be certified. There has to be officials there from the. Uh, uh, whatever the state agency is that certifies elections, the right. Department of Elections has to make sure everything is done correctly by the book, by the rules, because this is basically, you know, the rules are the winner right. wins, and they've got to make sure that this thing is attested to. And I think there's a, you know, it's it's a it's a real heavy duty process because this was a very very close race. It just
1: seems like I it just it, it doesn't it kind of freak you out. When something like some close election like this happens, and every time they count it, there's like a different answer. There's like a different number that comes it's up. Like
4: going to math class and you're doing the same addition and you keep going yeah. And I mean, going it's
1: in. just it sort of freaks you out because then you realize here's one of those things. Not that I mean, this is one of those times where it, it was a little disconcerting to think about the fact that every time they counted these votes for Al uh, Franken, they were getting different tallies for both sides, like that was happening with Gore Bush, because that's when you start to realize, you know, like this whole world is just is just. No one really knows anything. Like this entire world is just like one big sort of weird off kilter clown car missing a tire. I mean it's like the, really you know that like nothing anywhere is really working. It's just that we don't it's just that we don't look closely enough to really see it and be scared by it.
4: Eisenberg's uncertainty principle at work. That's what I'm saying right
1: there. That's the best reference of the day. Here's Chuck Knopp with the news.
4: Well, at the end of the holidays, cold weather and economic gloom will make today. This day, when you return to work to the normal schedule, one of the most stressful days of the year, experts, whomever they are, have come up with an unlikely remedy. Throw a tantrum. Okay? Just I'm, go insane. I'm going to hold back the uh, the obvious reference that I was going right. to read. Go ahead. Releasing tension through shouting and screaming is really beneficial. It's a way to expel the negative energies caused by stress. It seems uh, ill-advised. This...
1: This seems like advice that perhaps you don't want to follow.
4: I would think not, but nonetheless, this is what uh, the advice comes as a survey reveals that people are most likely to be irritated by colleagues eating noisily, that's 28%, sniffing, 26%, talking too loudly on the phone, 21%, and even singing. But now,
1: let's go through these. So these are the things that your colleagues would do that would irritate you. And so yeah.
4: today, they're saying today is the
1: most stressful day most of the year. Most stressful
4: because it, you're back on track from a holiday.
1: Uh, see, and I, first of all, I would say that I think uh, today, uh, in some ways, is going rather swimmingly. Perhaps mm-hmm. less so in other ways. Uh, I think it's going to become more stressful for certain other people later on, whether they know it or not. Um, I think the stress has not even begun for certain people in Portland.
3: Oh, let me just say that uh, the comedian has been informed. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so he's got that to look forward to. Happy New Year! Uh, so fun for everyone. So I wasn't stressed out today, but I would say that, I will say that I was um, I was feeling a little um, detached. That's not the word, but I mean, but you know what I mean, like not in the groove. Mm-hmm. Because again, we you know we were here, and it was like snow days, and it was all kind of weird. And then you know not to endlessly rehash, but we had the whole thing with Tim, and it was you know just very very not just stressful, but the fact that you sort of lose track of time because you're kind of in this weird trauma. And as a, as, a, as someone who's studying to be a therapist, Chuck, you know, in trauma, you kind of, the, like, time just sort of ceases. It does. It and is. you just sort of lose, you you get, you lose all your bearings.
4: You don't have a, an accurate sense of day to day to day or exactly. hour to hour, and it all gets confused.
1: And then we had, uh, we were, you know, we were only here for one day the week of Christmas, Then we were only here for three days last week. And so now today, kind of getting back into the groove this morning, it was like that thing of, I did have that moment where I thought, i like, what if I don't remember how to do it? What if I've forgotten exactly how to speak? Exactly. So, but uh, but so what, let's go down the list of irritating behaviors that your colleagues might have.
4: Okay. First of all, the the one that irritates most is eating noisily.
1: See, I don't know where that would be. See, it's been so long since I've had a real job at a real company that <laughs> I don't. That, real company. Um, I didn't mean that last moon vest. You know what I mean, though, since I've had like a straight job somewhere where I had to be like, yeah. you know, we're at a company because here and we took the CBS test last week for like harassment or sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah. And they revealed that really basically almost anything is acceptable down here as long as you're not full on gang raping in the hallway. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. And, you know, and, it, you know, because because they know because it's just a creative environment. So it's been so long since I've worked at a company where they enforced like normal rules of decency. Um, so eating noisily. I guess maybe that'd be irritating. Boy, you know, I used to have roommates that would do that too, so I can really see what you're talking about. I used to have this roommate, he would just sit there, and his whole thing would he would like make this weird pasta dish. And I'd be sitting there trying to watch TV. We only had one TV and it was a living room. And he'd come in no matter even if it was a show he didn't care about, he had some weird thing where he had to sit down on the couch next to me and eat. And so I'm trying to watch like TV. And he would sit down on the couch next to me and he'd start eating his overcooked pasta. And it was a whole lot of this. It was a lot of like <laughs> Like he was spooning sort of, it was like he was spooning sort of like ectoplasm into his mouth. And after a while,
4: you're just sitting there and
1: you're going, I'm going to cut off your head. I swear to God, if you don't stop it right now.
4: All right, what's the next mm-hmm. one? Uh, sort of an, uh, a derivative of that, sniffing. I do that too. Sarah, you do the annoying sniffing. Sarah, sniffing. Sarah hears me sniffing a because I
1: get you.
3: These... You've not done it as much lately, though.
1: Well, you know why, Sarah? Because I've taken to trimming my nose hairs more frequently. Uh-huh. And I get these nose hairs that tickle. Yeah, and I started trimming them because of course otherwise it looks looks like I have a colossal cocaine habit. So, and I try to keep that hidden. So, but I, but so I would do this thing of like going,
4: you know, which is just irritating. All right, another one. This this one bothers me especially if you're at a public place talking too loudly on the phone. Seriously,
1: that's one thing that will make me plot your death. I mean, especially because certain people have that voice where it's just at the right frequency Uh, uh, that like drills into the side of your head. Yep.
4: Yep. I, I was at Les Schwab on Friday getting a tire fixed. I'm sitting there waiting. And there's a lady with her two little kids sitting there and she's on the phone and she's talking above everything and I heard the whole her conversation about her life and I just went
1: Wow. And plus you realize that, like, I think because of cell phones, I think subconsciously people somehow still think it's 1991 and you've got to shout into the thing to be right. heard. Yes. <laughs> when really it's the opposite, right? Now you could probably get away now with speaking very quietly yes, because, because the phone, the technology is so advanced.
4: You go from the string and cup theory to the electronic.
1: But, in, but you know, but people still have that old, so instead, they can't get their mind around that. So they're, they're like on the cell phone and they're going, and then I said to him, he was late on his child support. And you're just sitting next to the woman just going, will you please just shut up, yes. of God? All right, uh, speaking of shouting, Sarah's going to shout at me if we don't take a
5: break here. <laughs> All
1: right, we'll come back. Chuck Knopp, uh with the news plus the top five when we return. Top five musical acts you haven't thought of in at least five years. Uh, oh, and we'll get to the rest of this New Year's Eve uh, audio as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't know where. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, we're here with newsman Shakhnaf, Uh Coming up here, just a, a few we will do today's top five. Top five artists you haven't thought about in at least five years. All right, and I went up into my office and I found, um, this is actually the copy of, so Mailman Chris let me twilight, so my dog destroyed it, so I bought him a new one. So this is that one. Let's see, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find a particularly, some particularly purple prose. Uh, let's see. I gotta find that website where they rank the the words and adjectives she uses to describe him. So it's all like exquisite and flaw. Okay, here we go. This is this is okay. This is actually yeah. not even. This is just. I stumbled across this in the book just now. Uh, this is, I think, actually what they use on the back flap. Um, they use this this phrase in the movie too. This is not actually even her really talking about how dreamy he is. This is just. This is the passage I think that they used to pitch the book and the movie. This is the. Um, you know, it's whatever. It's like, the, it's like the section they sort of pull on, like they put on the inside of the, uh, the jacket of the book. Do I have my gothic bed? Hold on a second. Where did my...
3: You have a gothic bed?
1: Remember this for gothic poetry? The, uh... When I was doing the, the fake gothic poetry uh, contest? Let's see. Oh, this is just the line where she says, About three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be. <laughs> that's an interesting phrase. I didn't know how potent that part might be. Well, it was the only way to find out, Bella. Um, Let's see. Uh, second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Uh, well, that's... I'll have to look through. I'll have to look through and find something where she describes like his rippling Adonis muscles that looked as though they'd been carved from sandstone. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, and that, you know, and there's a whole lot of like weirdness here where there's a whole lot of weirdness in this book too, where uh, because he's like 117 years old or something, and she's like actually 17. There's a lot of strange sort of uh, daddy-daughter kind of dynamic going on in the book as well. So anyway, I'll put it. Down. I'll look. I'll look through it later. All right, it's 503-733-2970. We'll do the top five here in a few. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chuck Knopf at the news desk. Yes, and now,
0: from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, Chuck
4: Knopf. Good morning, good afternoon, and Hello. good day. All right, See you tomorrow, maybe. Who knows? Anyhow, uh, rain, snow, all that stuff that's been, you know, plaguing us. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a plague, sort of. Uh, rivers in problem Problematic conditions around here, and these are the list. If you live near these, the headwaters, this is going to be a problem. The Nahalem, Willapa, Nassel, Wilson, Trask, Gray's, Nestucca, and Selets. Wow!
1: Did you just do that without making any mistakes?
4: Yeah. That was astounding. What you just do that again? I
1: I I believe that was a fluke. Do that once more.
4: The Nahalem, Willapa, nassel Wilson, Trask, Gray's, Nestucca and Selets. By God, you are a newest person. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't mean the
1: disrespect. I'm just saying.
4: Look, let's, let's just say what it
1: is, uh, you know, Tim, uh, you know, wonderful, fantastic, you know, Tim himself, uh, a glorious golden man with butterscotch eyes, but <laughs> but really pronunciation, not his strongest suit, I would say, and so I think I've sort of grown used to nothing that comes from that side of the room ever being said correctly, <laughs> which in a way, and then so I read, but see, and the, but over time, I recalibrated my brain to make that. It's like how Sarah was saying that weird is the new hot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like mispronunciation was the new correct pronunciation. Oh, so I when see. you just did everything correctly there, it rang really weird in my ears. All right. Well, fantastic. So if you live near those rivers, uh, the time is now to be getting sandbags. Oh, yeah.
4: Now, those are the coastal rivers. Inland rivers, you want to go through a list again. They include the Cowlitz, Lewis, Johnson Creek, Mary's, Lucky Mute, South Yam Hill, Clark. Lucky Mute? Lucky Mute. That's out of Dallas. Its headwaters in the Coast Range, and it flows into the Willamette.
1: It, lucky Mute is one of those rivers where you do wonder exactly how it got the name. You know it's, what I mean? It,
4: it looks Indian, because you spell it L-U-C-K-I-A-M-U-T-E.
3: Oh, not, not, L- so it's not Lucky Mute. not <laughs> Lucky
4: Mute like Helen Keller winning no, the lottery. No, that's not. <laughs> no.
1: That's what I was thinking. When you said Lucky, and I was thinking, <laughs> Lucky Mute. Well, that was named after the old Jensen boy, born without a tongue, but survived a lightning strike. And so we <laughs> called it Lucky Mute River.
4: who 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 wants to go shoe a horse (laughs) did you see the movie uh benjamin button have you seen Uh,
1: No. you know i tried to see it this week we were going to here's what we were going to do we were going to see it was like a yin yang we were going to watch twilight which is of course based on the terrible book of the same name we were going to watch twilight and then see benjamin button which is based on an f scott fitzgerald story so we were going to like terrible movie and then like a cleansing sorbet to take it off our palate we were going to see benjamin Button, and i get a chance
4: Go see it because there is a lightning reference in the movie that you will laugh out loud. Excellent, you will love it. Uh, Frost Nixon though
1: is fantastic.
4: Is it? You got to see Frost Nixon. I've
1: seen it twice. Frost Nixon is wonderful. Okay. It's a fine film.
4: All right. This note: Hugh Hefner's giving uh, extra viewers extra the uh, TV, whatever that is. That's a, a catch-all uh, celebrity notables kind of show. A private tour of the fam- famous Playboy Mansion and reveals his favorite room, saying, No question, the bedroom. I do my best work in the bedroom. Because he's got that huge round bed. Yes, he's got... who knows what he has. Um, Hefner admits to the reporter that he was heartbroken over his split with longtime girlfriend Holly Madison, saying, I was blindsided by the breakup, but Holly was looking for something more than Mm. what I could give. She was looking for marriage and children. But Hefner wasn't lonely for long. Within two weeks... A pair of twins arrived, and turned out that they were interested in being his girlfriend. Really, were they now?
5: Yes, and he said,
4: he says, and this is the quote that's, I don't know, insane. As several girlfriends are easier to handle than one wife. Well, see, but I would say that that's true, though, because if if you are Hugh
1: Hefner, and you... Let me ask you this right now, Chuck, now, yes. if you could trade places with Hugh Hefner uh, right now, but... At his current age, meaning you only got like a few years left. In other words, live the rest of your life as Chuck Knopf, or you can live the rest of his life as Hefner.
4: I'll take my life because I know more about it than I Really? Yours. Yeah,
1: okay. I would. Okay. So, but you got to figure if, you, if you're Hugh Hefner, and you got like, you know, seven girls or whatever he had at one point, that has got to be easier than having one wife, in the sense that those girls have all got to know, they're all aware of each other, so they all know the deal, which means that, you know, you, they know that they're, you know, in other words, their expectations are managed appropriately. Yes. Uh, they know that they're not going to get like a whole lot of attention. Plus he's, you know, everybody can sort of joke about how he spent all his time, you know, like bonking the hot girls or whatever, which I suppose is true, but he's also a notorious workaholic, not like he used to be. I mean, back in the sixties, but, um, Hefner was, um, Hefner was really, uh, fond of this, uh, this drug that they used to sell called dexedrine.
4: Ah, at who put the Dexedrine in Mrs. Murphy's Ovaltine. Was... Exactly. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so you're familiar with it, uh, probably just in a scholarly way. Dr. I am
4: in a scholarly way. I've never used
1: it. Dexedrine. Dexedrine is a very powerful amphetamine created as all such things are by the Germans. Mm-hmm. And Anything that makes you awake and/or irritated was made in Germany uh, by you know, some guy named Heinrich who was in a laboratory and would occasionally go home and beat his wife with a riding crop. We so, make
4: it this way. Exactly.
1: And so Hugh Hefner would do these things where he would do, he would take dexedrine and he would have dexedrine and Pepsi Cola. That was his two things. He wouldn't he oh. he would just have dexedrine and soda. And he would sit there and they would show him on the round bed just like typing out these memoranda that were like 700 pages long. Uh, you know, and he's had to, and it would just go on and on and on that's where the playboy philosophy came from. you know, the Playboy philosophy, which is this huge sort of treatise that Hugh Hefner wrote about all you know it was basically this massive sort of philosophical dissertation about all manner of human existence, and it was like it was like eighty thousand pages long or something, which is easy to do when you're sitting this jacked out of your brain on amphetamines all night, you know what I mean so I mean he is pretty uh, a pretty notorious workaholic the final thing I'll say about Hefner is this. You know what's really a really great documentary to watch? A because it's informative. B because it's sort of inadvertently hilarious. Now, watch the documentary "Once Upon a Time," which is the officially sanctioned documentary about Hugh Hefner. So it's they gloss over some of the you know some of the some of the more distasteful elements and some of the scandals. Uh, but it's narrated by James Coburn, uh-huh. and it came out in about 89, It was when he had settled down and he had gotten married to Kimberly Conrad. And so it's a great look at the early days of Playboy. But the funny thing is you, you watch it and it's it's all framed in how, you know, a life spent in pursuits of happiness now spent in pursuit of the traditional values of wife and family. And it's like all of these interviews with Hefner where he's talking about how he's retired from the sex and, you know, and he just has the, you know, he's married to Kimberly Conrad and he's just, you know, he wants a wife and children. He realized that he realized that cheap, shallow sexual experiences with hundreds of women wasn't bringing him happiness you know, and then of course it was just like three years after that that he dumped Kimberly Conrad and you know went back to the the swinging or whatever. So, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up?
2: Hey, uh, Rick, this is Arizona Frank. I just uh, want to tell sir. you that uh, first of all, I enjoyed uh, spending a little bit of time with you guys. and back in the back in the desert.
1: Yes, and uh, here to see oh, Richie's yeah. drag show. Yes,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyhow, I, you guys earlier were talking about uh, those uh, those uh, swanky. New Year's uh, hosts that can barely speak and slur their words a lot. Yes. I was just listening to uh, the rest of the story. Paul Harvey. And it sounds like it was a recent one, and oh my goodness, it sounds like he was just uh, slurring his words as if he had just returned from Sarah Dillon's New Year's Eve bash. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, Paul Harvey does have – well, first of all, I mean, there's no way to – you know, we've talked about this for a long time on the show, but with Paul Harvey, it's impossible to time stamp any of those. Like, you can never tell when he's on vacation and when he's not. What, what led you to believe that it was a recent one, just the fact that he was not able – his enunciation was poor?
2: Oh, yeah, just the fact that he that, that he really did sound like, uh, you know, like he had been uh, snuckling back a, a, a few uh, a few gallons of something. Well, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, you
1: know, as time has gone on, Paul Harvey has developed a little bit of a uh, – he almost kind of sounds like he's got too much saliva in his mouth, you know, or like he's got an extra flap of skin in there, or like a second tongue. Somewhere, and it's like the two of them are not quite working in concert with one another. And he does, you know, and he, he does, my goodness, you know, and there's and he has a weird quavering. So, you know, have you ever heard yeah. Paul Harvey's kid? And,
2: and, again, I think he was sounding a lot like that other fella uh New Year's Eve. Dick so. Clark. Yeah, yes. that's the one. All right. And so uh, I think that generation is just uh, – just one, uh, one uh, radio uh, something appearance, sh- you know, shy of making it to the great beyond. So
1: that's uh, well. We of course, uh, we of course hope that they continue to entertain us for years to come, sir.
2: I hope so too. Uh, and uh, by the way, is there some kind of a pool on uh, when these guys are going to leave our beloved planet? Uh, uh,
1: I haven't, but I You know, we don't do. A, I, I always, you know, we don't do a Deadpool here, and that's largely because Lycus does it every year, and he makes such a big deal out of it that I. Didn't want to look like I was ripping them off, but I. And plus, you know, I would do kind of a Deadpool with my friends, you know, for some time. And I and I just kept getting, I kept getting screwed because I kept putting Andy Dick on there, and he kept living. So I just, I've given up. <laughs> I've given up at this point. So. All right, thank you, sir. All right, well, great talking to you guys. Have thank a great you, New my year, my friend. Thank you for everything. Thank you, right. you, sir. Well, uh, this is a good time to to wrap up our New Year stuff. Then we'll break and we'll come back with the top five, which Sarah Dillon has put together lovingly. Yes. Well, you put it together. I put it together. You've, it. You've you you found the song You said
3: that you had an email for me as well.
1: <clears throat> Pardon me. Hold on. <coughs> Yes, Sarah, thank you for keeping me on track.
3: Oh, no problem. Uh, that's why you, you continue you to be... You guaranteed easy. me during the break.
1: And the gold late. standard is what you are, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Any man would be lucky to have you as a producer. I would think. Uh, well, I got several here. Uh, so just uh, as a recap, for those who came in late, as they used to say in the Phantom Comic Strip,
4: uh, so uh, so
1: Sarah had gone uh, on the barf of Lebos for New Year's, and uh, your... Well, at the beginning of the show, we were calling him your boyfriend. Now he's just some guy. Uh, the comedian was there, this that gentleman caller, this guy you had been seeing, and an ex of his, in fact, the most recent ex, the most re- recent... The one
3: that, that they had no valid reason to break up. It was he, just because she moved. Well, he had told me it was like expiration dating because he knew that she was moving.
1: <laughs> he really is quite a catch.
3: <laughs> he is. He's he's a good person. He's just...
1: really. <laughs> he only hits you because he loves you. <laughs> we don't see we don't see what you see in him. I'm sorry. Uh but um the he doesn't hit you. Uh so um but, but so but, but so the most recent ex had been there and so you had been caught off guard by that. Well first of all, so and it was somebody else that pointed her out, like, that's his ex, right? Was that the deal? No, it
3: was awkward because we were yeah, in the smoking room at Holocene and this guy who was on the bus walked in, he's like, So how do you know the comedian? And he like looked her at me and I'm like, Oh, I'm dating him and, and the girl who's sitting next to me she's like, Funny, so did she So did this girl two feet away was from you? Like, I was like, Oh and and she started getting uh, the girl started getting red and like kinda thanks. The comedian. Yeah, the comedian. He doesn't really uh talk about that kind of stuff.
1: So so you don't so know I don't
3: even know I don't even know how much he communicates with this. So girl. You don't like, know... I was under the imp- so I'm not sitting there, you know. Like, I have one ex who's, like, a really good friend of right. mine. But other than that, I'm not talking to people that I dated, you know, like, for right. a couple months here and there all the time. And so you
1: don't know if the girl knew who you were. In other words... I don't know if she knew who I was. In other words, you don't know if, like, uh, if... Even if she didn't know you by sight, you don't know if maybe she knew of your existence or not.
3: I know that he had told me that he told her that uh, that he was seeing somebody. So
1: the ex knew that he was seeing somebody. Yeah. But she uh, – so, well, okay. So wait, I'll just read these emails as they came in. i got several emails about this. Um, I'll just read these in no particular order. The first one, the subject line, because you had uh, talked about how uh, when you had first started working at KWJJ, you had a crush on Mike Chase. Uh, subject line, Sarah and Mike Chase. This email says, you know, Mike Chase probably wouldn't have lied to her about his exes and broke her effing heart. <laughs> um, well, that's probably true. Uh, let's see. How about this? Perhaps um, – because – anyway, so the resolution was that you were sort of caught off guard by his ex being there, and then you heard from a mutual friend that he, in fact, knew for some some time, for a couple weeks, that she was going to be there.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And so – um Uh, You know, and so this, you know, and and the the mutual friend had apparently tried to talk him out of it, saying, like, it's going to end badly. This one says, hey, perhaps the mutual friend told the comedian a hypothetical situation, a prediction, like, you know, comedian, if your ex is at the same party as Sarah, there's going to be a problem as a warning. I'm just being lenient. uh, But from what Sarah read on the air, uh, it didn't seem to say specifically that he knew ahead of time. So, so do you know if he knew? ahead of time, that she was going to be there on New Year's Eve?
3: No, he said – all right, so what he has said is that uh, – because he just – he had many friends call him. So right he now. Him to say yeah. that he had heard from her, and she said that it was a possibility that she was going to be on the barfly bus. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And she said – and then he's just – she said, well, it would be weird if I was on your bus. And then he told her in response to that, I'm seeing somebody. And she's like, okay, well, would it be weird? So I'm probably not going to go on the bus. I'm going to go to the Doug Fur right. because I don't want it to be weird. And then uh, she ended up on the bus.
1: Well, this email then, that sort of goes to this next email that says, uh, you should tell, I don't know about Jen Lane, tell her to call Jen and find out if the comedian bought the ex's ticket on the bus or if he comped her. Well, it wasn't his bus. It's Jen Lane's. It's Jen Lane's bus, right? She was running the whole deal. Like he was on the bus, right? But it's it's not, but it wasn't like his bus to run. It was hmm. Jen's. Right. So
3: it was a one in ten chance that she would end up on the bus. But,
1: but I guess what I'm saying is, like, the, the actual barfly bus was put together by Jen. He was just sort of on it as a passenger, right? Yes. Okay. No, so, no, he was,
3: well, he was in charge of it.
1: So could he have comped her? Maybe. So he says, you should call, this email says, you should call Jen and find out if the comedian bought the ex's ticket on the bus or if he comped her. He says, and then also two other questions. How did Mr. Funny Man even know the ex was supposed to be at the Doug Fur? Or how did the ex know he was hosting a barfly bus? Sounds like somebody has been communicating and it isn't Sarah and Mr. Giggles.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, that's a good question. So then how were they both aware of the other's New Year's Eve plan?
3: I don't know. I had, I had no idea that they were still in constant communication, especially since it was such a recent ex.
1: Right. I mean, I'm not passing judgment, you understand, but it just seems like this just seems like a fact. I'm not saying this, this just seems, to leaving aside all the trappings, it seems to be a fact that he was communicating with her about her being at this party where you were going to also be, mm-hmm. but not communicating with you about her being there.
3: No. And and, and he's written me, and it, it didn't even occur to him to bring up something that could be potentially upsetting. Okay,
1: that's... Uh,
3: no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no 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 go 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 we just had it we just had a That's, little back and forth just, and i i am now single again
1: <laughs> i was going to say that that sounds like a lie yep. and here's the and i understand why guys i understand why guys lie because we don't like confrontation as much as people think that guys are sort of alpha and aggressive and the whatever a lot of times guys don't want to fight especially with the person that they are dating or the person who's like you know whatever that they are seeing in a uh, biblical sense or whatever guys don't want to screw that up so guys won't fight here when he says he hadn't what did he say It didn't even occur to him that it would cause a problem yeah i guess i would be inclined to accept that statement as true if this like same scenario hadn't happened like a month ago with a different x when it was a huge problem
5: mm-hmm.
1: so i think if he said look uh you know i didn't want to fight about it so i didn't bring it up maybe it was wrong You know, I should have told you, but you know what? I thought maybe you guys wouldn't run into each other, and I didn't want to have a big argument about it. I thought maybe the night would pass, and I wouldn't have to deal with it. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to have a big blow-up about it on New Year's Eve. I wanted it to be a great night. I didn't want to have drama. That would be, at least, that would seem sort of honest, Mm -hmm. where he'd say, like, look, I didn't tell you.
3: Nothing about this is seeming honest to me. Like, it's getting (laughs) messier and messier. But
1: the saying that he didn't think it would be a problem. That seems untrue because again, something just like this happened about another go and it was a huge problem. Well he said that
3: he didn't want it to be potentially he didn't want it to be potentially upsetting for me if if it wasn't if she wasn't gonna be on the bus. Whereas I think that's kind of
1: So he's playing the numbers game again. You no,
3: know, it's kind of a lie in and of itself. so there was a yeah, like a one in whatever chance that she was going to be on the bus that I'm on. Yet I'm not supposed to Okay, it.
1: here's it was my final question. So when you guys were all there, so it was you, his most recent ex and him did you did you run into her at, at this party before he did? In other words, like, is it possible that you met her at the party and were introduced to her and realized who she was before he even knew she was there?
3: No. No, 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 because... <sighs> So we were at Dante's, you know, uh-huh. and that's where the meetup point was. Sure. And I was so awkward, so awkward, because I'm just there by myself. I don't know anybody. Right. Uh, he has a bunch of friends with him, and so, like, he's over talking to a bunch of friends, like, signing people up for the bus or whatever. So I'm just, you know, standing there calling every person that I know on my phone to try and, you know, pass the time. Right. And I saw, when I was talking on the phone, I, I saw him talking to Chrissy and this blonde girl. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, oh, you know, there's Chrissy. Maybe she's going to be my best, blah, blah, blah. And so I saw him talking over there to them for a long time, but I figured they were just you know, other bar flights. Some some, some chick. Yeah, Yeah, but then I I put it together.
1: So, I mean, that's that's the thing, because I was, again, trying to cut him the benefit of the doubt, that like, well, maybe he really didn't know she was there. In other words, maybe, who knows, the ex just decides to show up and he doesn't even know she's there and that's why he didn't tell you, because like he didn't even know she was around. But it sounds like he did know she was around and then opted not to preemptively say, hey, by the way, so just, you know, over there is, uh, you know, Mary, and, uh, you know, that's the girl I told you about when we had a That's and exactly
3: what I would have expected. He's just like, hey.
1: Which might have been uncomfortable, but, it like, might have been uncomfortable, relatively but... speaking, so much better.
3: And see, uh, yeah, it, it would have been so much better because I ended up finding it out and then, you know, thinking about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, he was over there for 10 minutes, you know, talking to this Well, girl. and the
1: other thing is, like, I mean, again, you, know, you know, A, you've already gone through this once with him about, like, another ex, which is how he would probably know that it would be something you'd want to know about. And then also, you know, like, if you're at the boyfriend-girlfriend stage, like, that's a, you know. Like, if there's just some if there's just some dude you're bonking, he doesn't have to tell you everything about mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I everybody the, and knows it's that. Like a,
3: it's a really, you know that I'm, like, relationship-phobic, and it was a really big thing for me to be able to be like, okay, well, you know, this person's my boyfriend.
1: Right. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, it's 2.32. Um. Sarah, so I'm going to write something down and show it to you real quickly. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. Um, so I'm going to show you something and you tell me what you think. What do you think? I just uh, showed Sarah something Sarah's there. Sarah's smiling. What do you, what do do you think, Sarah? Be. What do you think we got to do? Yes. You think yes? Yes. All right. Let's uh, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Will our mystery caller sign in, please? Hi.
4: Hello, Mike Chase. How are you?
9: I'm fine, Rick. How are you?
4: I'm fantastic. Mike Chase, how are you?
9: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Aha! Now I understand. Okay, I got a text message from uh, our mutual friend Amy, and she said, "Call Rick Emerson right now." Did and you had
1: you been listening to the show?
9: No, but I got a little something from uh, uh, a little bird that told me that uh, Chuck Knopf was on today, and Chuck Knopf used to work on. Well, he and I used to work together a long time ago.
5: We I, did, yes. And so, and yes. So I, Go ahead.
1: I
9: think Amy's taking some sort of. Uh, Possibly perverse glee in all this. I'm
1: not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would remove the word possibly from that. Uh, so yeah. So Chuck now, is. You know, we've had a series of kind of laid off Portland media folks filling in for for Tim. And so uh, Which Chuck is. A brilliant. Is a...
9: uh, by the way, a brilliant scheme and gambit. That's a it's a great idea and a great way to reach out to our uh, you know our brethren there. It's a good idea.
1: Well, thank you, sir. So uh, yeah. So Chuck had emailed me uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, schedules were were a little tricky. But uh, so so Chuck today has been uh, joining us and giving the people the news as only he can. And uh-huh. uh, so we were talking about how it's been, Jesus, more than a decade that I've been here, and we yeah, worked together yeah. next door in the KOTK building. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then since then he's been at K-PAM, and now he's going to school to become a, a therapist. And so we.
9: Uh, hey. Oh, hey, Chuck, you're in school.
4: I am. I'm in fact, I'm doing an internship right now.
9: Oh, congratulations! You're good yeah. at that. Thanks. Hey, let me tell you why Chuck didn't didn't survive in radio long term. He's just way too damn handsome.
4: That's uh, the problem. <laughs> no, I would say you're the one. Who is the handsome one here? The battle of the battle of and uh, Can I just
1: say that the thing we always used to say about Chuck is that when Chuck was sitting next to Tim Riley, that they really were like because uh, uh, you know <laughs> Chuck, you're, you're a tall man. How tall are you? 6'2", 6'3". 6'3". Tim <clears throat> is uh, less tall.
4: Yes, less tall. Uh,
1: less so tall. we would say that you were sort of like it was like a forced perspective thing. It was like it was like twins stand like one standing way close to the camera and the other one standing in the background. Yeah, this is my little brother. <laughs> exactly, it was like a Hans and Franz thing, but you were like, but you were like bigger and smaller versions
4: of each but other. Amy so. used to compare it to a ventriloquist act. But, uh, <laughs> See, you said that I didn't. say Tim that. would get on my lap and he would just move his mouth. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. Wait a minute, <laughs> T- dump that. No,
5: no, we're not dumping that. <laughs> That's gold. That's gold, gold Chuck. You ever listen to anyway, this show? That's yep. going
1: to be excerpted immediately.
9: <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want anybody to be, uh, you know, overrun with glee. So maybe I should go, but. Um, it's nice to talk to you, Chuck?
8: Hey Mike
4: i want yeah. I want say to you, I am sorry for all of the problems I caused caused, and I want to I want to beg for your and I will say that your forgiveness and hopefully when I run into you in the future, we will you know be cool. as, long as, as, long as it's not with your car. I think we're good.
9: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Chuck and I used to work together, and, and it didn't end well. And uh, it was, you know, kind of a radio thing, and our, our, there was a lot of yelling that went on. Let's
5: just yeah, that, that way. Yeah, yeah.
9: Let's the... talk more yelling. That was our motto.
1: <laughs> the, it's the uh, it's the argument the whole family can agree on. Yes. Right.
9: Uh, even even the boss can tune into the arguments between. Uh, between
1: well, and we Chuck. we you know just and just you know we we had noted earlier uh, someone had brought up uh, that there was sometimes some tension there, and we were. Uh, you know, being fairly circumspect, but noting that you know a building full of uh, you know creative people who all have their own vision and things can get a little uh, a little intense now and again. And I I would say that I have tried to become better about that, but I used to be very much the same way, where I would get into screaming matches with various people on the show because uh, I, because I was not. Uh, Dealing well with the situation, or did not know how to uh, how to handle differences mm-hmm. creatively among myself and other people. So, um, but uh, you know, but you know, but by the same token, that all you know, not to sound too whatever corny about it, but it all comes because everybody's trying to do a good job, and everybody is trying to do you know. It's a bunch of smart people trying to do something to the best of their ability. So, you know, it's just, it right. happens, as they say. Yes. So, all it right.
9: is. Uh, that being said, uh, Chuck, uh, right back at you. We probably made a couple of mistakes, both of us on either side, but I uh, appreciate you saying that, and but, uh, all, you know. all is cool. If you drank, I'd buy you some scotch, but you don't. So, well, well um, uh, you know.
4: But I uh, thank you for that uh, that little uh, offer because I know what that means. I, I'm, right. I'm seriously, I. I I apologize, and I'm glad we can reach some kind of accommodation here. It's good.
9: Uh, all right. Well, i sure I'm glad I called. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10,
1: how awkward is this for you, Mike?
9: Uh, it, it fluctuates. The first part, not so bad. Now it's kind of weird, but I'm all right.
1: All right, my friend. Happy New Year to you and everybody. All right. Take it easy. There you go.
4: Mike Chase, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that's cool. If that's very
9: cool.
1: That
4: was very cool. I mean, that is cool. That, that actually, if you want to, that takes a lot of old stuff. That I had built up and allowed it to be gone. Okay, it just like disappears. It's like the fog burns off and there's sunshine. Well,
1: that's...
4: I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, but that's that's what it... that's the feeling that I get now because when you go through that, you don't realize what you had. Now, have you guys not I... spoken since you left? I have not spoken to him.
1: Oh my really. god! How long has it been? How many years? Um, two thousand three, two thousand four. That's what five, yeah. years? five years, yeah you haven't talked to my chase in five years, no. so I and you know, as we, we alluded to earlier that there was you know there was some some arguments and some unpleasantness but that happened, is... and I didn't know how it ended as such I'm done of my business, I'm not asking, but I as he said it, you no, know obviously I've... it was a thing where you guys were like, you know you kind of had to
4: walk away um i I am humbled by his willingness,
1: well, it, really you know it well,
4: no well, good, you I'm, can patch stuff up. this is a lesson to everybody listening if you've got if you've got issues with another person, you can always. Try to take their position and see where they come from and understand what what transpired and accept that and go, Okay, I was I played a part in it, no question. Well I uh, you
1: know, and I anyway, we'll we'll break here in a second before we just before before you have to start billing us by the hour. But I uh, <laughs> uh a couple years ago I did this You're I did funny.
4: A, you were funny. I didn't know I <laughs>
1: But We've, you know, everybody's kind of gone through. I did this, uh, this sort of uh, this this kind of play thing, this movie thing a couple of years ago, and I, you know, was talking a lot about how, you know, again, in radio, I just had this weird, you know, as somebody once said, I used I used to pick five, you used to pick ten flags a day before breakfast just to, you know, just to just to get in shape, you know, yeah. and it was, uh, you know, it's just you it just can't be that way after a while. You just gotta like it. it, just it just it just wears you down, you know. So it's just gonna make you old. All right, Well, take a break. Come back after this with music. All right, it's uh, the top five musical acts you probably haven't thought about in at least five years. When the Rick Emerson Show returns, ladies and gentlemen, I don't go anywhere. Back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is your top five for Monday. Four, three, two,
5: one, fire. Counting
0: is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count. Don't
1: you? Ladies and gentlemen, all right, so I, I could pretend that there was some sort of reason for this top five, but there really is. And i tried to put together like new songs or songs about the turn of the year or songs about January or songs about whatever. And I had nothing. So I just punted. So I went down to. I just had a flash of inspiration and I went down and I heard Chris Paddock uh, and uh, and Court from KU Ho was in there too. And I was like, I don't know, top five bands you haven't thought of in five years. And immediately, everybody started spitting out the names of the artists. So, uh, this is for no readily definable reason. These are the top five musical acts you probably haven't thought about in at least five years. Chuck Knopf. Honorable mention,
4: Giggy Ta, I Want to Thank You. Who remembers this song?
3: I remember the song. I didn't know that was the name of the band.
1: Is this the video with him? It just shows him driving in the car? Oh, it isn't the one
3: with the
5: video. Ah. Uh, but uh, it's in the video. I want to thank you
1: whoever you are I don't understand anything about this song. I don't know why this song exists. I don't know how it became a hit. It's catchy. I suppose.
5: All I want to do is do exit So I go to work I can get on a want curve through the shoulder
7: There's no parking in that shop So I drive
1: I have no idea who this band is, how they got a record deal, why this song was released. I have, n- I have. N- they were on my television one day like five times an hour, and then they were gone forever. So there you go. There's your honorable mention, Chuck Knopf.
4: Number five, Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. Uh, boy, I hate I this saw song. these
3: guys. Really? Well, they played Enfest uh, when I was in high school. It was just as bland as the song. <laughs> I was just gonna
1: say, was it this exciting in person? No, dude, you got to see them live. They're even duller.
0: Ugh. Yeah, that's bad.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's. <laughs> and you're and you're this in the like month and months.
3: It's such a creepy that song. Why would you smell yes.
1: sex and candy? That's just weird, dude.
3: The existence of Marcy Playground annoys
1: me. I'm with you. I'm with you on that.
3: This face looks like a
1: The best part about the song is that when goes, I've had too much caffeine, because he sounds dangerously energetic right here. Ugh. We to get stuff. Ladies, top five bands you probably haven't thought of in five years. Number four, Goldfinger. Yeah. Here in your I, bedroom. Now, I relied on your judgment to pick this one because I don't really know much by Goldfinger. Oh, my God.
3: I love Goldfinger.
1: What is this song?
3: Uh, this is Here in Your Bedroom. This came out when I was in eighth grade, I think. This was their first big hit. And then they had this other album after this. Uh, called Hang-Up. Uh-huh. Just a really amazing album. You know like do- how you have albums for certain times in your life? I do. Like, that was, that was for a definite specific period.
1: I think the only thing I really know by Goldfinger is that they do that cover of Just Like Heaven by The Cure. I think that's the song that I know the most by them. Wow, this is like 1995 all over again. What year God, would this I have come out? It. When would this have been?
3: I would think like 95. Yeah,
1: this is like from that Real Big Fish era.
3: Mighty
1: Mighty Boss tones. Yeah. This is, see, this was a weird musical hybrid to me. This, this the sort of, rock? the punk ska, yeah, where it was like the big, the big atmospheric punk choruses, but then the verses were like the plink, 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 and again, like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And this just
3: reminds me of putting on all my ska clothes.
1: Dating a teddy boy. No, the Desiree land riding a to and Desiree and Tanera. Um, Desiree and Tanera. No, Tanaya, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, it just sounds like you and your own personal clueless yeah. there. That's wonderful. <laughs> Do you have any any pictures of you in like your scar Yes. Please to bring. Okay, well, because yeah, Men right. are
5: like platform clad pants. Yes, I have to see. Okay.
1: All right, with your like with your like the Toaster's bumper sticker.
3: Yes. The toasters are coming. Did you see that? No. They're coming with the Voodoo Glow Skulls. Really? At the end of this month.
1: I quite like the Voodoo Glow Dude, Skulls. Dude,
3: that's going to be an amazing show. Are you going? Totally. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Knopp counting down the top five musical acts you haven't thought of in at least five years. Number three, Meat Puppets and oh. Backwater. Wow, I hate this song. You know, the thing about all these songs is I hate all of <laughs> them. I never really heard the Goldfinger song, that Geggy Toss song. I hate that.
5: Marcy Playground.
1: I hate that. You don't know that you were not there in the great in the, the great wasteland that was AOR Radio in like
5: 1993. Oh,
1: yeah. You know. I hate this song so much. So these guys are most notable for... I mean, they're most notable at this point for two things. One is that one of the brothers, it's like Chris and Rich Kirkwood, I think are their names. And one of them has just vanished at this point. I think one of the guys, one of the brothers disappeared and has never been found. Um, also, they had... I think two tracks on Nirvana Unplugged. Yeah. If you listen to the Nirvana Unplugged record, I think there's two different songs where Chris and whatever Kirk Kirkwood, the Meat Puppets, come out and they, and they play songs with Nirvana. And then at I think at the end, Kirk Cobain goes, that was the Meat Puppets. Like, That's it. Also, they use poker chips for guitar picks. God, I, had to, I was a rock DJ when the song clave out and I just had to play it all the time and I never liked it once.
4: Yeah, it could be another five years.
1: All right, these are the top five bands you haven't thought of in five years. Chuck
4: Knopp, number two Smash Mouth and All Star. <laughs> wow!
3: Oh my god, you reminds...
1: can't wash
4: off
3: this in... the 90s! Oh, this and like Sugar Ray back to back. Sugar oh, yeah. Ray was a band
1: we thought um, of, except that they're still kind of everywhere largely because Mark McGrath is like all over television still.
5: Well, yeah. Yeah. Or White a boy ter-
1: seriously. I don't miss the 90s at all. There's not one thing I miss about the 90s. A terrible decade. It is a dark time for music. Perhaps our darkest time. Has this become a... Of course you do, because it was used in every movie trailer on Earth for about nine years. All right, these are the top five songs, uh, top oh, five artists you haven't mean, thought of in thought
4: five years. And number one, Sean Mullen's Lullaby. Is it not playing?
1: That
5: computer's present. Wait.
4: Buffering.
1: Buffering. There we go. I have to admit that I like this song. though. I know a lot of people don't like it because he has a furry sonic voice. It's a beautiful song. though. No, I saw him play this. My small Sean Mullen story is this. I saw him play this song live exactly as it was becoming a massive hit it wasn't, so it, wasn't it, worn
3: out yet. it wasn't
1: worn out and it wasn't at that point where you could tell he probably didn't want to play it because I think he spotted right o- right off he was about to be a one-hit wonder um, I saw this song performed live right as it was peaking at a kink show it was right when I came to town it was him and Neil Finn from Crowded House and it was quite exceptional it was quite wonderful
5: and stage, it's a great
1: song, and I, I will never try to be cooler than the room and say that I don't like the song. I do. It's it's a it's a lovely song, it really is. Instant classic. Alright, fantastic. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. A lullaby. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
4: Happy, happy for some.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Eyes on the finish line, Chuck.
4: <laughs> okay. Always
1: sorry. moving forward, never looking back. Churning towards the conclusion. <laughs> uh, slouching toward Bethlehem That's to funny. be born. Anywho, uh, Chuck, Knopf thank you for coming in today. Oh, it's My been a You it's sounded really been and a I, fabulous. Chuck. Yeah, it was a, a pleasure. We, it wouldn't, is. we wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. You sounded really good. So not that we expected anything, anything different, but I mean it was very, yes. very good to have you. Yes. And, yes. and you know what? And you know, you said that you know you and Mike hadn't talked for for some years. Yeah, it was a big
4: deal.
1: You know, but I think you and I talked on the phone last night. But I think that was probably the first time we've spoken, you know, voice to voice, probably since since you know at the Intercom thing and since yeah. we all went our separate ways. So You're right. In quite some time. So, yeah, so if people want to get a hold of you,
4: uh, what is the best way to do so? Uh, my web address, CEK23 at hotmail.com. That's CEK23 at hotmail.com. Excellent. Make sure you send. A, I do take PayPal. Uh. <laughs> if they would just like to contribute. <laughs> to,
1: okay. If they would just like to say thank
4: you with uh, green. Yes. That yes. would be beautiful. Nothing, yes. nothing. As Dennis that, Miller says, beautiful.
1: <laughs> nothing <laughs> Nothing. says thank you like a big fistful of bills. Exactly, so, yes. we Well, continued success in thank all you. things, my friend. We'd love to have you back at some point.
4: Thank you. I would love, would love it, yes.
1: All right, excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Knopf. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Amanda Moyer, and Steve Kastenman. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. All right, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Extill and for AM 970, The Talker. In the newsroom, Chuck Knopf. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Maris show at 7. Happy New Year to everybody. Glad you are here and that you made it through uh, safe, dry, warm, and all that. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Uh, Until then, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch up, for See you all tomorrow. Bye.
5: All right.